0: What's
1: this towel all about? about? You're listening to what's this Tao all about? A light-hearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism, and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn. What's okay. this Tao all about? Hello, everybody. I'm Todd Perry, host of What's This Tao All About? And this is a special episode that's a compilation of Dr. Carl Totten and I discussing about a dozen of the most basic tenets of Taoism. If you're new to our show, it's a great way for you to get acquainted with Taoist philosophy. If you've been listening since day one, I think it's a nice reminder of some of Taoism's core values and teachings. On this episode, we'll discuss the big question, what is Tao? And dive into the concepts of Wu Wei, Dei, or Da, as some say, and Pu, We'll also discuss practices such as meditation and Qigong and examine one of Taoism's greatest minds, Changsa. If this is the first time you've heard our show, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And now, let's learn what's this Tao all about? Part 1 What is Tao?
0: You know, the word Tao, depending on how it's translated, means something like the way or the path uh, or a road. It, it's really kind of a series of ideas, concepts, precepts, if you will, about how to live a life that's balanced in harmony with one's own nature yeah. and with the greater nature. Yeah. Uh, one of the things Taoists always look at, I think, really nicely is the big picture, the macrocosm, And the little picture, your life, your thoughts, your feelings, your existence, uh, the microcosm. And how those two things connect and balance each other, I think, is something that every human being has questions about. What human being, thinking human being, because some human beings don't really think that much. But what thinking human being doesn't have questions about, who am I? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Where did I come from, and where am I going? Yeah. And I think that, in my opinion, that's what the Tao Te Ching is here to give us, a, not, a, not an answer, but guidelines for each individual to really find those answers for themselves. You know, there are no Taoist evangelists. Yeah. You know, they won't give <laughs> Taoists. We, we, don't, we don't come to your door, you know, asking for, um, you know, you to believe anything or asking for handouts on on Saturday morning or something. You'll, you'll never find a Taoist anywhere in the world uh, doing that. Yeah. Um, there, there are very few Taoist uh, establishments uh, out there, in, in, at least in the United States. Uh, I, I, I dare you to go try to find a, a Sunday service on Taoism. Right.
1: <laughs> Wait, the, the thing I liked, I, w- I, was, I was reading a book, I was studying up for this podcast, and uh, what, what I really enjoyed is, the again, there, there, there's no evangelizing, uh, there's no uh, punishment for not getting with, I mean, the, the punishment is maybe le- leading a less fulfilling life, right? Yes, yes. But uh, the, the, the idea of the Tao was that it's basically, here's this book. Try it; uh, it will work for you, and you will continue practicing it. Yes. It's no—if you don't practice this, you're going to burn in hell, or you know, you're not going to go to heaven, or anything like that. It's yes. just like this works. Try it out; people dig it, and, you know. And that I, I find that much more comforting than here, you know, carrots and sticks. I'm going to whack you <laughs> with a stick if you don't get into this. How do you genuinely <laughs> learn something? If it's on the other end, is punishment. It's not a genuine experience, I feel. But this is like, here, take it or leave it.
0: Exactly, exactly. You know, Taoism Dao- is very strange in one sense. Most philosophical and spiritual and certainly religious practices have a set of beliefs. Yeah. And if you don't believe in these things, then something negative is going to probably happen to you right and certainly you won't gain admission into the exalted uh, status of being a follower of, of their system unless you testify right. sometimes literally yeah. that you believe I believe in this and I believe in that uh, Taoists have none of that yeah um, but instead this idea that there are certain things about this world about this universe that are constant for example one day follows the next. We know that this day has a beginning, it's going to have a middle, it's going to have an end, and then seamlessly it blends right into the next day. Yeah. And every day the sun rises, thank goodness.
1: <laughs> <And> <laughs> so far it has. So far, so good. You know, I'm not betting on it tomorrow, you but know, who knows. You know. For m-
0: billions of years, you know, the world has turned, the sun is spinning around, And so there are repeatable patterns that we know. And when it's hot, what should we do? We should probably do something to make sure that we stay relatively cool. When it's freezing cold, we probably need to do something to get a little bit warmer. These ideas, that notion that I just mentioned, uh, as the Chinese would say, yin and yang, Yin, the something that's more cool, that's more quiet, that's more gentle. Yang, something that's more fiery, h- warmer, hotter, active. Activity, passivity. The sun, the moon. The day, the night. These notions are part and parcel of really what Lao Tzu, the purported writer of the Tao Te Ching, yeah. I think was getting at. Yeah. And if we can live our life... In harmony with these ongoing natural cycles, we're going to be much more fulfilled. We're going to be happier. And if we don't, if we cling to one end or another, no, I only want the day. I only want the hot. I only want, want you know, and that's beginning to sound familiar too. I want this. I want that. And I need something to be a certain way. Once we get attached to extremes at one end or the other, that's when life tends to become very unfulfilling and challenging. And I think that the Tao Te Ching for centuries now has given us kind of a, a, a little gentle nudge in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- again, there's, there's no hard and fast rules in this text, but there are gentle nudges to think about things.
1: Now, do you find that it, because there are no hard and fast rules, that it's actually almost more difficult for someone to be a cultivator of the Tao versus thou shalt not do this thou shalt not do that and have this really rigorously prescribed way of living versus how am i going to find harmony in today yes. how am i going to be grateful today how you know it, it feels much more challenging but then again maybe it's more worth it in some way if it is more challenging mm-hmm. uh i i agree it is more challenging because
0: You know, a a famous psychologist, Eric Fromm, years ago wrote a book called Escape from Freedom, Escape from Freedom, Mm. where he said that, you know, mankind's natural state of being should be free, to be free, but yet we run from it with a passion. We want other people or some other system or some book to tell us exactly what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. And we escape, we, we, we don't want the responsibility, the total overwhelming awesome responsibility of having to find that out for ourselves. Yeah. And so we give up our freedom to other people, to other systems, to authorities to tell us what's real for us. And in my opinion, what the Tao Te Ching, what the Taoists have always done is said, look, it's all about you. It's about you existing as a consciousness in this universe. As far as you are concerned, the only reason this universe exists is because of you. Yeah. If you weren't here, none of this would exist for you. Yeah. And so if you are in fact the kind of source of, of your universe, then who is there out there to tell you how to live your life and right. what to do and what's right and what's wrong? And what's reasonable and what's not reasonable. Now, if you are conscious and paying attention, you're going to start to get feedback from others and from your environment about what's working, what's furthering. And you know, and we know there's a famous Taoist saying: "Everything furthers. Everything furthers."
1: <laughs> what was it that the uh, the Ken Kesey, like the the Merry Pranksters or whatever, they had the bus? It was further. I think was the name of the bus or the license <laughs> plate or something. So like, keep going. You know? I like that. Keep keeping on. You know. I like that. Um, so if if you were to you know at the onset of this uh, series of uh, podcasts we're going to put out, would there be a way that you could see that man uh, again that comes up to your uh, temple where, where we're we're sitting right now in the Temple North Hollywood, and say what's this dow all about could you do it in a sentence could you do it in three sentences and quickly sum up what it is for somebody who just grabbed this podcast out of nowhere said thought to themselves what's this dow all about you know are they gonna talk in circles are they gonna give me the answer <laughs> here you know
0: uh, well I don't know about answers but we certainly will give I think the dow certainly offers direction and guidance now, now let's let's go to the book for a second. Yeah. What is the very first thing out of Lao Tzu's mouth in the Tao Te Ching? The Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right off the bat, he's telling you. That I can't tell you what this is, <laughs> and so if Lao Tzu can't tell us what this is, far be it from little old me right. to try to tell you what the Tao is all about. So we're we're um,
1: going to point in the direction of the Tao, is but what we But we yeah. can
0: definitely point in the direction of the Tao, and then you, you will tell me what your Tao is all about, what your way is all about. You know, one thing that is absolutely true. Is that not one human being on this earth is exactly like any other human being on this earth correct not one day on this earth is exactly like any other day on this earth not one second is exactly like any other second that ever existed out of trillions and trillions now what are we supposed to do with that the fact that everything is in constant flux everything is continuously changing and in fact the ancient Taoist said many times over that the only constant in life is change Right. but yet we as human beings we hate it we can't stand change we give lip service to it oh I like to change I like to get better I like to this we're lying we hate change we want to stay exactly the same because there's comfort and familiarity Yes. Yes. Uh, you know if you have a place to live and you go back home today and it's still there and kind of looks the same way and hasn't burned down or something. You probably feel pretty good about yeah. that, right?
1: You know, I was I was getting yeah, I was I was getting frustrated with myself at a certain point where I thought I'd like to be a more consistent human being, right? And then I thought how ludicrous of an idea is that really to be with you know, in a world of constant flux with me just I just I just want that comfort of being a consistent person who maybe wakes up at the same time every day that maybe is in, does all the things to put himself in the correct mood but you're really kind of, you're kind of chasing the dragon, right? Yes. And I think to myself yes. other people feel very consistent to me, right? Why am I feeling inconsistent? And I realize that probably internally to them, they're just as kind of wild and inconsistent <laughs> as one would think Part 2 Wu Wei and we're going to start her off here with uh, a article I found the other day about Wu Wei from a place where you wouldn't find an article usually about Wu Wei from the Huffington Post business section. <laughs> and so this is by author named Tova Payne, and I've abridged this because it's a, it's a, it's a bit longer and uh, it has concerns for time. We can get to the point a little quicker. But uh, she says, several years ago, after spending months getting the word out for a retreat, I thought to myself, I wonder what will happen if I practice the Taoist art of Wu Wei, the art of non-action, for the next one. So I did nothing. Aside from the retreat being listed on my website, I did not spread the word in my classes, to friends, or to anybody. I didn't make any posters or do any marketing or promotion at all. I thought, let's see if this art of the Tao works. (laughs) And you know what happened? Nothing happened. My experiment of doing nothing taught me that the art of Wu Wei must mean something beyond its literal, naked meaning. The art of non-action, also known as Wu Wei in Taoism, doesn't mean sitting on a couch like a couch potato, doing nothing, and expecting clients and money to fall in your lap. That's like visualization without action, or practicing the art of manifesting without moving beyond your affirmations and daydreams. It doesn't yield what you desire. Non-action has a greater meaning. It's action that feels like non-action because you're swimming downstream. You're moving with the current. You're moving from a place of joy and ease. Joy and ease can mean that you tell every person you meet about your next event. You're so filled with excitement about it that you can't stop yourself from telling your neighbor, mail person, and cashier at the supermarket about it. Swimming downstream means taking the action that feels so fulfilling and energizing that it feels like you're doing nothing at all. Have you ever done something where time seems to vanish? You're so in the moment, having so much fun that time seems to escape to another dimension until you look up at the clock and can't believe that four hours just whooshed by. Often our creative work aligns us with this magical force of flow, which is the essence of non-action. On the contrary, swimming upstream is when every minute you look at the clock and you can't believe it's only 9.15 a.m. You have no idea how you're going to make it through the day. Every action you take feels like you're moving through concrete, and the heaviness of the task feels like hardcore labor. The art of non-doing isn't about literally doing nothing. It's about taking the action that lifts you up, propels you forward, and with a force that seems to carry you, it feels like you're not doing anything because it feels so natural, joyful, and liberating. Yes. I feel like that's a perfect explanation. And the great thing is a practical real world, you know, Uh, practice uh you know in my own life it's like doing this show uh it's not a heavy lifting it's not i don't have to force myself to think about doing it it's a natural and oh gotta do that show gotta 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 email dr carl and see you know when he's (laughs) free to do it and it it just arises out of desire to have it happen and it's not work it's joyous and it gets made and i think it maybe people like it because you know of that background to it you know
0: but yet the show, or anything else in your life, wouldn't happen if you literally did nothing. No,
1: if I s- <laughs> sat at home and said, somebody's got to record this
0: show. Someone's got to get in the car and drive there and get the mics out and the sound equipment. Uh, maybe it'll just happen all by itself. No, you know? no. Uh, not in this 3D uh polarized universe that's not going to happen no uh we're not there yet no Uh, maybe next time the next dimensional level that might be possible but it's definitely not possible here you know i I like one thing that she says here in her article that going with the flow wu-wei doing what is natural for any given situation rather than unnatural struggling trying to force something that doesn't really fit so not Non-doing doesn't literally mean doing nothing unless, of course, that's appropriate. Yeah. Like if you're waiting, waiting for forces to gather and come together, waiting for other people to be on the same page as you, waiting for the resources that you need in order to complete A mission or a task or something that requires some supports in order for it to manifest at its appropriate level and appropriate time. Remember, timing is everything in life. And if you do something, if you're rushing full speed ahead and you get there before it's ready, then what's going to happen? It's going to fall apart. And then you have to go back to the beginning and start all over again. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, the old st- story about the hare and the tortoise, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Slow and steady sometimes wins the race, yes. if that's appropriate. Yeah. Other times, you know, if, if, a car, if, if a car is coming and you don't run quickly out of the way, bye-bye. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Slow and steady uh, lost the race in that instance. And that's why I say discernment is so crucial when it comes to living a li- a life informed by the Tao, we have to be able to see things as they are not as we want them to be like them to be hope that they are fantasize that they are. One of my teachers always says, ah, Fantasy he says fantasy that's just a fantasy. Yeah. that's nothing to do with reality. that's one of my great Zen masters yeah. <laughs> and he constantly says that uh, and we have uh, to be here present in the now, seeing things as they are. And then if we live from that reality uh, beyond getting trapped by the distinctions, but seeing them and accepting them and living from the reality that those distinctions without judgment, but just they provide context for how we're going to live our lives. Then we will tend to make uh, decisions and actions that are in harmony with the Great Dao. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. There's a, a, a guy who does a sports show named Colin Coward, and he always oh, yes. and he always talks about. He says um, there's a, there's a difference between wanting to be right and getting it right. Yes. Now, wanting to be right, uh, you know, it goes back to, again, the the chapter one, uh, ever desiring, one sees its manifestations. Ever desireless, one sees the mystery. And wanting to be right means trying to bend the world into your own bias as (laughs) to the way the world works, right? Wanting the world to be a certain way and trying to fit it into that hole or that box. But then the opposite way of looking at things, trying to get it right, allows you to be more successful in things and not be frustrated by life because you're seeing things as they are mm-hmm. and working with the grain yes. that you see in front of you instead of trying to, you know, make the river run backwards or, <laughs> or trying to force your reality on others when it's incorrect. Yes. And, you know, and we see that in politics all the time as people have these worldviews, which many of them are skewed and don't reflect reality at all, yes. but, you know, try to bring people into the fold of their party or belief system. Mm-hmm. When... People that speak simply about the way that things actually are. uh, In advertising, there's something I always learn, writing in advertising, is people... The sad thing is the reason why the public can be manipulated in in this way is people don't believe things because of discernment. They believe things because they have reasons to want to believe them. Mm -hmm. And once you remove those reasons... Those reasons are kind of hindrances and stumbling blocks to living in the actual reality and, mm-hmm. and getting the biggest benefit mm-hmm. you know being able to juice the berry of life comes from seeing what 's in front of you right <laughs> it
0: 's like I saw a cartoon the other day where um, uh, pharmaceutical executives were talking about uh, how how are they're going to market something uh, uh, some some drug new drug to the public, and so first they they create the the uh the medication, the drug. Yeah. Then then they said, well, okay. Next, we have to create a demand for it. Uh, finally, we uh, we we need to create the uh, disease that it's th- <laughs> yeah. th- purported to cure. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And then convince people that they have that, so they'll buy our product. <laughs>
1: Sadly, that is the way things work in many, many, many ways. Oh, I know. But was I it know. like uh, the Listerine? You, they, they would make like, do you have halitosis or whatever? And that wasn't a real disease. It was just like normal kind of thing. But, oh, Greg, Now I have a disease. I got to cure it with Listerine.
0: You know? there, there's a lot of profit in that, actually. Oh, that's where all the money is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Part three: The basics of Taoist meditation. All right, so let's get into this here. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about meditation. And uh, I know you teach you teach meditation classes, right? Oh here yes. At the Tao Institute. Oh yes. Now, my my big question is: I've I've from time to time sat and attempted to meditate. I've had a couple positive experiences with it. I haven't integrated into my daily life and. Um, and one of the questions I always have is, I, I feel like, uh, is there, there's different forms of meditation, right? And yes. different ones, like, there's like transcendental meditation, and they, you got to pay 1500 bucks to learn it, right? <laughs> and I always go, is that a scam? Or is it, you know, why don't they just make this available to everybody? <laughs> you know, why don't they reveal their secret, you know? Um, is I actually, it, by the way, have a list of their secret mantras. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> the ones you pay
0: that fifteen hundred dollars for, right? Yeah, I'll give you the list if you want. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's awesome. Just don't tell anyone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Our little secret.
1: If this is out publicly now, Carl. Uh, so the so is is there a better way? You know what I'm saying. What is the difference in the different forms of meditation, if you will, or is it just all the same thing that people are calling yeah. different?
0: No, it isn't all just the same thing. You know. Th- People have been trying to kind of solve this riddle about who am I? You know, the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I come from? And where am I going? In Mm -hmm. other words, what is the meaning of life? Right. And almost everyone, sooner or later, comes to the realization that all of this doing and trying and thinking and thinking and overthinking is taking me away from realizing this essence of what is the meaning of my life. Yeah. And so sooner or later, people around the world for thousands of years have realized that, you know, unless I sit quietly and pay attention to things that I normally miss because I'm so busy, I'm not going to be able to answer that question effectively. Mm -hmm. And so all cultures and peoples and spiritual uh, groups have at one point or another come to the realization that they have to alter something about what they've been doing it's that it's in the doing and overdoing and overthinking while overdoing where we get lost right and so they i so i think that ultimately meditation is really a very natural state Mm. it's what happens before we start doing it's what happens before we start talking and thinking and our thinking of course is always in what Words, right? Right, yeah. And words, as we know, words are a representation
1: of something. They're not the thing. No.
0: And so meditation is to try to get to the thing. Right. Okay. And so, if you're talking and thinking too much, it's going to be very difficult to realize the the nature of what underlies our existence. Okay. And so that I think is what really what meditation is for. Now there are a hundred ways about no more than that a thousand ways to actually try to do that essentially meditation can be divided in general into active forms of meditation and more passive forms of meditation active forms of meditation you do something maybe you chant something maybe you focus on something it might be something even very peaceful like focusing on a cloud drifting across the sky or a river or, or flowing uh, down the stream. Uh, but so something grabs your our attention. and as something grabs our attention and we begin to follow that, track that, guess what uh, what happens? As that immersion increases, the internal chatter, mm-hmm. that self-talk yes. starts to
1: decrease. I could, I could use that. Yes, we yes. can all yes. use that.. Yes.
0: So that's actually very useful. So that's active. That's that's active meditation because you're doing something in order to decrease our attachment to what we usually do, which is doing and thinking and planning and on and on and on. Okay. Passive forms of meditation, which are is actually probably more difficult.
1: Yeah, you know, people, it, no, is it is it more rewarding because it's more difficult?
0: Um, not necessarily. You know, what they say all roads lead to uh, Beijing or Hong Kong or Rome or someplace, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And so, however one gets there is fine, as long as you get again return to the source. Okay. So, passive forms of meditation, it's more difficult because sometimes people will tell you, I'm sure you've heard, oh, just clear your mind think of nothing, but who can do that?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I've I've thought of nothing like four times in my life. You know what I mean? And then I go, and then I go I'm thinking about nothing, you know? Right. And, and so
0: typically what is easier for people is to think about something, but something different than what they ordinarily are thinking about. Okay. So again, it might be a word. It might be a breath. Uh, you know what I tell people to do? What's going on in your mind right now? Oh, okay, that's interesting. Now, look at that. Watch that. Watch those thoughts. And while you're watching those thoughts, what's going on in your body right now? Notice that, too. Don't think about it. Just, just notice it. Oh, and how about your breath? You notice that? Oh, okay, just notice that. So, as you sit here and you're noticing your mind and you're noticing your body and you're noticing your breath, what, what, what part of you... By the way, is noticing all of this? Um, I don't know. Great. Now, just stay with that experience and just see where that takes you. And now, put on some nice music. I'll turn out the lights. I have a black light here. Mm -hmm. I'll put on black light, and you know, it looks kind of you know, kind of mysterious and, and kind of kind of you know, it's really soft in there. And what happens is that people get so engaged in this exercise and really mindfulness you know being able to not be in your mind in your body in your breath but rather coming from a place where you are all of these things simultaneously without having to divide and separate them right at that moment an amazing thing happens we stop thinking You might realize, you know, I know this has happened to you. Haven't you been driving sometimes on the freeway, and you notice that? Gosh, I just drove the last ten miles, and I didn't have one thought in my mind about driving.
1: Yes, it's the same
0: thing in meditation. How did I get here? How did I get here?
1: Why am I in the valley? Like I was, I was. I switched lanes.
0: I avoided cars. Obviously, I drove the speed limit. I wasn't bumping into people. I didn't drive off the road, and I did not have one thought about driving yeah the same thing happens in meditation Uh and you feel so good when Mm -hmm. you get to that place where finally you're out of your own way and you can just be
1: right it's beautiful so about let's see that's uh, so if I let's say you know uh, wanted to kind of start going towards that place just by myself uh, at my house you know maybe woke up in the morning had a cup of coffee And then I get ready to go to work, and I want to take this 20 minutes to get to that state. What are the kind of real simple ways to get into that?
0: I always tell people, again, that meditation is a natural state. I think a lot of what we do and say and think all the time is really quite unnatural, actually. Mm. Okay. All right. (laughs) And so there's there's something that pervades that, that's beneath that, and above that, and beyond all of that. Something Mm. that just... Is. Right. And so the that easiest way field, yeah, know, we're talking about it, is it, just to observe. Mm-hmm. You know what my teacher taught me when I the first day of meditation, my Taoist teacher, he said, just sit and observe your breathing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Feel the air come in, feel the air come out. Just notice that. Just watch that. And as I watched that and then began to just watch my thoughts and watch my body, maybe I had some imagery in my mind my mm. was remembering something an event
1: do you try to then stop that or do you just no, let it play out
0: you just watch it you just observe
1: it you don't participate in it you just you, let you it you don't
0: participate in it Yeah. because if you participate in it and then you're caught up in it and then now you're back to square one yeah you right, right but you're out of yeah, it Yeah, you're okay. out of it all all right, right, right yeah. you're you're out of it because you're too into it right <laughs> right 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 I love okay that's <laughs> so so it's a matter of this 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 it's interesting because on one hand, people always say that to meditate you have to do what? You have to focus. Yeah. You have to concentrate. You hear that it's all like the real time.
1: Harsh, uh, oh, yeah. It's a harsh disciplined experience. Uh,
0: <laughs> when that will kill meditation if you okay. actually
1: try to do that. So that's it, why it's been difficult for me. So you, just, you you're trying say, too hard. Yeah, you you watch okay. You watch it and then ha- have you found that you've gotten better over your life of practicing this at not falling into engaging with the imagery in your mm-hmm. mind of just letting mm-hmm. go yes yeah, so there's and,
0: definitely a learning curve mm-hmm. it doesn't happen all at once yeah you know, i've rarely ever meet someone who can just sit down and just meditate right off the bat at a level which they they, they ultimately will be capable of mm-hmm. it takes a while just like anything else right you know it took you a while to learn how to ride a bike drive a car right yeah yeah anything right and it's the same thing but once you've kind of grew kind of groove that pathway mm. into this deeper aspect of the self, it definitely becomes easier right. and easier. And you know what? You like it. Right. And because you like it, you want to do it more.
1: Right. Right? Like kind of like exercise. When you, you don't exercise for a long time and you hit the treadmill or whatever, you go, oh my I feel so much better. The endorphins in my brain right. are going. I like why do I not do this every day? You know. But at first it does what? No, oh, it's a pain. It, it's a pain, right? It hurts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh. I
0: walk up to the chumbo, oh. Oh, my sore
1: back. Yes, going to this is going to hurt. This is, uh, uh.
0: So the, the, um, we, we actually move into a state of what's often called pure awareness, where a whole other world opens up inside of us. Mm-hmm. And if we're too busy doing those other things, there's an entire dimension of experience that we'll miss. Right. That
1: will miss and this see, is in everyone.
0: It's in every human being. Yeah, it's you know We're all part of what one of the Tao. Yeah one spirit and so the Tao being vast right having no beginning having no end mm-hmm. Existing on all dimensions, you know throughout time and space. Can you imagine? No, you can't imagine. Yeah It's beyond our imagination how much they how rich and how deep this experience of this domain actually contains okay and so meditation every time we do it we're we're allowed entry into a little another another little corner of experience in Mm -hmm. that realm and it is so rich and so nurturing that it's it's like tasting pure honey or something right (laughs) it's so sweet I love it
1: (laughs) Uh, okay so I was I was reading a book and it was I see this is me this is me I read all these books right and then but, but the practice and the discipline of the practice <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> eludes me. But so it was, a, it was a book called Catching the Big Fish by a filmmaker, David Lynch. And he was saying that when he... Oh, he's good. Yeah. When he started uh, meditating, he, 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 started, he realized as a creative person that the big fish were at the deeper levels, the big fish, the big ideas that he was bringing into his work and bringing into his art. He would meditate. And the deeper he got, the bigger and yes. more nurturing the fish were, yes. is what he said. When he would yes. dip into, and I thought that was yes. a wonderful metaphor for what I should strive for when when, when attempting this practice. Mm-hmm. You know, so when's when's the best time to meditate? Is it in the morning? At night? Is it you know anytime?
0: Anytime. I mean, everybody's you know their lives are different. Some people their mornings are open other people when they get up in the morning they they have a zillion things to do yeah. and they don't have time and so the evening or night before they go to bed is a better time you know ultimately i think we want to get to the point where meditation is not this separate experience where we have to it's only when we're sitting down doing meditation mm-hmm. that we are engaging in meditation We would like meditation to just become part of our natural, normal state of being. Because that's what meditation is. Eventually. It's a state of expanded awareness. Awareness of what? Awareness of what is. Mm. Well, what is? Well, you'll know when you find it.
1: Ah, that's a nice way to go out on it. Do you have any more words on meditation?
0: Just that don't complicate it. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. And our tendency, particularly here in the West, is to complicate things. Right. And you'll find books and books and books and things written on med- how to meditate. Yeah. And there's all these different ways and so a seeker can get very easily confused. Yes. Because every you know many of the books say something very different. But if you if we remember that meditation is a natural state and it's a state of immersion into what is because a lot of what we're doing mm-hmm. is an avoidance of not doing. Right. And meditation is definitely associated with not doing. With doing less. Doing less.
1: In the Minimal amount. Of yeah.
0: Because yeah. when you get to zero, where you're not doing anything, then you can finally live and be everything.
1: Mm. Is it is it kind of like if you look at an hourglass, right? You have the the stuff at the top of the hourglass, and they have that real thin waist, right? And then you have a, a, a different thing on the other side, where we're normally on the top of the hourglass, right? And when we meditate, we get to that state of zero, right? Yes. And then beyond that, there's a whole another uh, vessel of consciousness or yes. whatever. To exp- is it is yes. it like that? At
0: that moment, we are fully in tune and in touch with the Tao, and we are just. Filled with inspiration. Mm. It's like it's almost like a download from the field of consciousness, a field that we are a part of, but because we're so busy, we're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. And once we let go of those expectations and just immerse ourselves in the Tao, the richness of that fills every moment. And at that moment, those questions, those eternal questions, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here and where am I going? The answers become crystal clear. Oh, nice. And that's precious. You can't buy that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: If you've enjoyed what's this dow all about and would like to further your journey with Dr. Carl Totten and myself, head over to patreon.com/what's this dow all about where you can hear nine episodes of our Patreon-exclusive show, 10,000 Things. 10,000 Things expands on ideas discussed on What's This Tao All About while exploring new areas of philosophy, psychology, and culture. At Patreon, you'll also get over ten episodes of The Tao of Todd, an intimate show where I discuss my thoughts on Taoist ideas. Plus, you'll find a few mini-episodes of What's This Tao All About featuring myself and Dr. Carl Totten. All in all, you'll gain access to a library of over twenty-five podcasts for just $5.99 a month. It's a great way to continue learning about Taoism while supporting our efforts to spread the teachings of the Tao across the world. Get started now at patreon.com slash what's this Dao All About. That's patreon.com slash what's this Dao All About. Part four. What is Day? Or Duh. In in terms of we're talking about returning, returning to the Tao. Uh, there's a major idea and concept in Taoism called Day. So, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. Uh, the the character for Day, as I was reading, uh, it means upright heart or virtue. And also combine with left foot, which is stepping out. So it's finding that virtue uh, that one discovers on the on the on the Tao on the road, taking that virtue and then putting it in action. So it's actually yes. not just uh, living a life that's you know you're returning to yourself, you're you're finding your Tao, but also how to put that into the world around us and how to interact with people, yes. interna- interact with the environment. So it's kind of the, I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, the external practice of the Tao. It's, it's I think,
0: day, 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 often is translated, like you said, as virtue or shape or power. It's how do things take form or take shape. It's kind of the motive energy for this act of creation for putting something out there yeah. if you will
1: oh, my, my, it's funny my therapist once said we were, we were talking I was trying to you know, make certain changes in my life and he was like you know you, you have the thoughts right you have almost like the the Tao or whatever of something but you don't have any fuel behind it or uh, motivation or emotions in order to enact what you're thinking mentally yes you know you're all yes. in your head yes so it's not it's not actually you're not getting anything done or fixing anything or changing anything because you don't have that energy behind it so right could could the day right. be kind of that animating energy yes uh, behind uh, the, the the framework of the dao exactly get me right yeah
0: it, it's that energy that allows things to become what they are Okay. You know, often we we might even know kind of what to do or how things should be done, but if we don't have the mechanism for actually putting it into play and into place it doesn't happen right so things remain kind of in this nebulous unresolved unmanifested state and so it's almost like the motivation the creative force the creative energy to put it out there in the world right, right. it's what takes it from the inside and puts it to the outside and when the outside and the inside connect and are in harmony, in balance, oh, life is good.
1: Right, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> life is good. Yeah.
1: That's when you've kicked into the next gear, yeah. right? So you, <laughs> exactly. have, you have this returning feeling of the Tao where you say to yourself, I, I want to, I don't know, become a cook or use, you know what I'm saying? And then the day is that thing that puts it into practice, mm-hmm. right? It's the... Uh, correctly and with right mind and right order going out to execute this meal you're going to yes create
0: yes. and the ac- the activity of internally picturing you know Im- the way that we live as human beings the way that we-, we live in a sea of images too mm-hmm. you know I- in order to do something You have to see it as possible yeah you have to you have to have some image of it some picture of whatever it is in your mind but if it just stays a picture in your mind it'll never happen right so something has to take that picture in your mind put it out there in your environment and then I think this is the key when you've taken what's inside of you put it out there as an absolutely attainable reality and then allow that attainable reality which at some level has already happened Mm -hmm. in a in a a universe of infinite possibility it's actually already happened and so when we take this picture from the inside and actually find it outside and then allow that to just draw us into it that is the day. Ah, that okay. is right. how you, we actually create it. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the, this law of attraction, if you will, this yeah. law of manifestation. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it works. But then another thing is that you have to actually s- see it, think it as if it has already happened. Mm. That's the key. It's already happened. And then well, how would, emotionally, how would you feel if it's already happened? Well, I'd be excited. I'd be so happy, right? right. you got to feel that. And then how would your body feel? Oh, my, my body would feel like really loose and strong and really intact. And when you put the, that mental and that emotional and that physical all together at the same time and place as you are envisioning this reality as if it's already happened, bam it manifests right that's the day boom uh, it just
1: happens okay that's it <laughs> so so for the people uh you know listening at home they have they're kind of figuring out the, you know, their, their way their Tao. and then to put it into action uh in your mind and, ov- and obviously it's not just wishful thinking it's actually it's actual actual action but when you yes. have in your mind your, your, your desired outcome, and you begin to feel like it's already happened, it's going to be easier for you to go out and achieve those things because you have that confidence. You have that, uh, in, in the relay of life, you're, you're, you've got the baton and you just, you've got that goal <laughs> right. to hit and it's fully visualized. Right, right, right. right.
0: And, 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 and like I said, on three levels, it has to be mental, emotional, and physical. Okay. All three. And no doubt, it has to be like no doubt that it's actually real. Yeah. Because it actually is real somewhere out there. It just hasn't been manifested real in your life experience yet. Right. And it never will unless you take that step. Right. That step. That leap of faith. Right. That, yeah. <laughs> but you want but you but you're not just jumping into something where you ha- literally have no concept, you, you've taken the inside, externalized it, and then used the external picture to pull you into its existence. Yeah. And that is the process of manifestation. One more thing. A lot of people try to do what I just said in their mind. They just try to use the mental way of, this, of creating it. That, w- that does work. But unfortunately, because our minds are polarized, what you create... You will also create in these unconscious something that will uncreated, oh. okay, and you'll get backlash, right? Okay, you'll, you'll get sabotaged somehow.
1: Right.
0: However, if we go to an actual more powerful creative place, the heart, mm-hmm. where in Chinese they say the Shen, the spirit, lives in the heart.
1: Well, is actually? that like in the... Uh, the Character for the day was an upright heart, heart or virtue. Yeah, yes. see,
0: it goes back to the heart. Yeah, right. Because the heart, unlike the brain, is non-polarized. It's a it's a place of unity consciousness. It's pure, and it's pure, and actually that, that's even Christian, isn't it? Yeah. And the, the, the pure of heart shall see God. Right. And, right. And The Beatitudes, all that. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. See? so if we go to this pure place in the heart and create it from there, and it's actually the 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 electromagnetic field that emanates from the heart is many times more powerful than the one that actually comes off the brain okay. actually so this is the place to actually do the creation and so if we get in touch with our heart's desire and then let this this process of manifestation emerge from there it'll happen okay without creating the conditions to sabotage and uncreate it at the same time the polarized brain can't help itself you know, we got right brain, left brain, forebrain, back brain, the high brain, low brain. We we it it it's it's split. It's separate, and therefore we wind up splitting things into many many different dimensions of experience, and uh, that leads to separation. Yeah, and separation uh, is in many respects, uh, the problem.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I've been recently trying to kind of start my own, because I I work as a writer, kind of during my normal, uh, when I'm not out cultivating the Tao, I'm uh, writing at a desk. And I've been looking towards starting my own kind of in-home writing business where I have a bunch of different clients that I write for different things. And I'm unlocking myself from the cage of, Having to be, you know, serve one master or whatever, even though the people I work for are quite wonderful, but mm-hmm. to kind of do my own thing. I'm ready for that in life. And Thanks. so I've had this constant, I've had this thing I've been working on, and I have moments where I think, I, I think that, think like you've achieved it. Think about what that's going to feel like. And I have had these moments where I was about just ready to kind of step in, but then I feel like something's pulling me back. There's that weird thing where my heart has been consistent. In my desire my mind sometimes <laughs> is is no you know what play it safe right don't go out there don't do it. and then right. late it's inconsistent but right. my heart I feel in it has been consistent the whole way so there's a you know 35% of the time <laughs> the heart and mind have not been aligned <laughs> right 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 so it's it's a point of kind of keeping those things or just telling the mind Mind, shut up. <laughs> heart, you know, do the work.
0: And ultimately, what you just said is actually something very profound. Oh, okay. Which is that the heart and the mind need to connect. Mm-hmm. Usually, the average person, certainly here in the West, the mind is dominating most of the time. Mm-hmm. The logical left brain is pretty much in, the boss, right? Right, in charge. yeah. Oh, yeah. So now, we're, so now we're trying to find this whole new way of existing and being, getting in touch with this 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 unified consciousness of the heart now the heart has uh, you might say there's two heart fields one is the emotional heart right and we're all familiar with the emotional heart right all the passions the yeah. jealousy the envy the anger the fear right yeah it's not that and <laughs> then where you want to be coming from there's a deeper place in the heart. It's usually only found in certain types of meditation, by the way. That's another reason why meditation matters, right? And so when we find this other place, so-called sacred space of the heart, or the tiny space of the heart, it's an actual physical place in the heart. Mm. But we actually have to move to that place and experience that as a real entity, a real space. In there is everything. Okay. It's like the entire universe is in there. It's where the Tao resides in every human being, yeah. and it, that's where we can approach our highest nature and the highest component of all that connects all of us, mm-hmm. because we're all in the same boat. Right. We're
1: all in the same universe. All from the all emanating from the same field. Right? And,
0: exactly. And so, if we can find that place, and it's not that difficult. You just have to know where it is and how to get there, and then turn our attention up to the brain really to the pineal gland if yeah. you will and and feel that connection between the heart and the brain now they become a single unity a single unified field so that the heart and the my the brain actually are perceiving the same way maybe for the first time in your life wow and when you can do that you're home free
1: <laughs> that's it that's wonderful I think that's a good place to stop with day uh, that, was, that was that was that was very good I like I like when we can talk about these things in a non abstract I mean it's abstract in a way but actual here are tangible things to do yes. it's not just it's not just wind. it's not just yeah.
0: words about that, that that aren't connected to your personal experience yeah. and your personal practice. See, everything needs to support everything else. Right. You know, if we're going to use words, that we have to. You know, I mean, unless we're telepathic, right, we're going to have yeah. to use words right now. Right. Understanding that the word is not the thing that we're really trying to convey. Yeah. It's pointing. Right. right. It's pointing in that direction. But then we each have to find how that resonates in our own experience. Right. And every individual, that's, that's your birthright, is to do that and our job as you know kind of uh, as a Taoist uh, uh, practitioners is, is to point that out you know that, that you have the capacity to do that and here are some tools that might help you right but we can' we can't help you we, we can't walk the journey for you but we can Point to the fact that you have a journey, right. and there's a path, and we will support you when you walk. When you walk there, you're not alone. Yeah, right. You're not alone. You'll
1: never walk alone.
0: You'll never walk alone. Yeah. We're all in this together, and we and we know that.
1: Yeah, we know that. Part five, poo. You you had this great you, you you've brought to my attention. I knew, I knew a bit about this, but uh, something we haven't gotten to on the show yet, and that is the concept of poo,
0: hmm.
1: um, which is I guess they call it the uncarved block. Is kind of how it translates in uh, to English.
0: Yeah, and I think you know it. It really has to do with simplicity. You know, all things in nature have their way. Um, we don't have to change nature in order to react and be, and respond to it. We we you know now we try here particularly in the west, right? You know, we 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 want to we our our ethos is that you know man is here to dominate, manipulate and control nature.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: However, what has that led to? <laughs> yes. What is the current state the, of the ecology of much of this world? <laughs> it's 100 degrees <laughs> in mid-October. That's what it's led to. Uh, what's happening to the ice caps? You know, what's happening to the forest? What's happening to the ecosphere? And the species what's happening are to are going the, away. What's happening to the, the ozone levels? And on and on and on and on and on. You see, it's led to disaster. See, now we're in danger of, again, what happens when you don't adapt to change? Extinction, right? Yeah, Yeah. and so, and apparently there have been, you know, several mass extinctions over the last few million years. You know, we could be setting ourselves up for another one if we're not careful. And so learning how to, through non-attachment, knowing when you had enough, Knowing how to be in harmony with the flow of nature around you, understanding that it's going to go through seasons, mm-hmm. it has to, in order to attain balance. If things only kept going up, 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 pretty soon it dissipates. Right. Just like if things only go down, 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 pretty soon they explode. Explode. <laughs> yeah. See, so we have things dissipating and exploding, dissipating and exploding all which comes from an attachment to extremes and not allowing things to fulfill their own natural inherent rhythm, their own natural balance. And so this concept is, and I think this is where meditation comes in, by the way, Mm. (laughs) if you never slow down and just pause and listen to your body and just watch it, how are you ever going to know what its deeper needs really are. Mm. See, it's it's easy to get seduced into a trance and just follow a sa- the same pattern day in, day out, and not adapt and adjust to two things. One, the external changes, which are happening moment by moment. And two, your own internal, internal. changes. And then trying to harmonize those two things, what's inside intrinsic and what's outside extrinsic. You might say that's real wisdom, mm-hmm. Under, understanding that about yourself, about the world, understanding oneself, understanding others, and then understanding how to modulate that intrinsic balance. That is a skill that comes to those who have awakened, and, which of course is the goal of meditation, yeah. to awaken.
1: Now, how does that relate to the, uh, to poo? That is pool. <laughs> oh, okay, that all is right. Poo. You know, oh, yeah, cool. okay, There we go. That's it. You know. Okay.
0: Yeah, we, 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 if we allow things to just find and follow their own inner nature, the simplicity, mm-hmm. you know, without trying to impose
1: uh, order, external
0: or? order or rules or rituals or things that we or someone, someone often not even us thinks is correct, then we accept things as they are and move in harmony with them as, as something that's not, it's not an effort. It takes no, it take. it's not a strain to just allow yourself and other things to exist in their natural state. So letting things exist in their natural state, the, the uncarved block, if you will, that, that, that is the action, the nature of the Tao. And you wind up going back to your original nature, right? The action of the Tao is,
1: to return, right, to return, yeah, to
0: return, because as you know, it's very easy to get away from your own inner yeah. nature. You yeah. know, you're constantly being seduced to do that by external factors
1: and by your own thoughts. Now, now, what's the difference? Now, this, this is a, this is a tough line right here. This is kind of throw <laughs> me off a little bit. Okay, so we have things in their original nature, right? And then we have the importance that the Tao places on change Mm -hmm. how do we square that circle how do we it it is in the original nature of things to change
0: (laughs) that was the simplest way you could have possibly that that is our original nature so maybe we just looked at
1: the yin and the yang of the same thing Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We're looking at the rear of the elephant (laughs) and the 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 trunk of the elephant simultaneously. Exactly,
0: exactly. You know, there's a time that you're supposed to wake up. There's a time you're supposed to go back to sleep, right? Right. (laughs) And you can't just be attached to just going to sleep or just waking up, right? right? You can't stay up all the time. Right. But not to sleep all the time either, right? But they're both unnatural, and they're both out of harmony with the nature of the Tao, which is things are always changing, but, and this is important, things are changing according to a certain order, Mm. It's not just total chaotic change following, having no rhyme or reason. You know, e- e- like I said, every day, the sun rises so far, right? The yeah. sun rises. <laughs> Who knows? We might be crests, able to put that out. It crests, right? Yeah. And then it falls, right? Yeah. You know, the world is spinning, right? And, and there are cycles that are happening naturally, naturally. See, so that, see, see you might say that this cycle is not changing. hmm that's what's not changing mm-hmm. the fact that change is constantly happening change constant change constant isn't right. that
1: interesting it's like <laughs> it's like that it's like the play of matter and energy right how in the end they're the, they're actually the same thing right but we see them manifest right in and, different ways right and when you take energy and then coalesce it yeah,
0: freeze it see then it takes it's on matter. shape and matter and form right yeah but then when you if you actually look at it more closely, you actually will see that it's really just atoms, you know, and, and the electrons, protons, neutrons, you know, they're just kind of spinning around each other. Right. Right? And, and so, so so which is it? Is it one? Is it the other? Is it both? Or does it matter? What really matters is how you are approaching it, mm. how you are perceiving it, how you are apperceiving it, and, and, and how in, in your own experiential capacity are you free enough to be able to experience reality from all domains and dimensions or are you stuck in one place Mm. do you have a vested interest in only perceiving things one way yeah many people do
1: yeah it's like the bread and butter battle book by dr seuss some people (laughs) like their butter butter side you know side up some like it side down and they will fight
0: <laughs> right it's like your hand you know look at your hand you know you have a palm or surface right and look at the back of your hand oh you've got another surface right mm-hmm. well d- w- which side do you uh, want to give up and not ever use again <laughs> right. you know you need your whole hand right but sometimes uh, this part of the hand serves sometimes that part of the hand serves right, right. It's, it's all one hand though and so if we get into these distinctions of this versus that and think that they have nothing to do with each other, yin and yang, they are totally separate uh, entities, see, then we lose the fullness and wholeness of the function and it becomes an absurd concept.
1: Well, it's so, It doesn't work. So it's like, you know, there's uh, peanut butter in my chocolate. Oh, wait, there's <laughs> chocolate in my peanut butter. No, no, no. It's a rhesus, Right. <laughs> So we, but yeah. but and in, in order to understand the Reeses, we have to understand the peanut butter. Part six, Qi Gong. Every time you look at something, you might get a, a different interpretation of it, or yes. you know. So I've I've kind of stuck with that. I've read a couple couple things outside that, but I guess maybe I, it's time to move on to the Chongse. Si. Right? Si. Si. Yeah. Forgive my uh, Chinese pronunciation here. <laughs> so, uh, kind of moving on from that, we've talked a lot about, how, how, it's not qigong, how do you say it? Mm-hmm. Qigong. Qigong. Uh, we've talked a lot about qigong, but I don't think we've really hit it on the head at exactly what that practice is.
0: hmm Well, qigong uh, could be described really as the ancient Chinese version of yoga and meditation. Okay. And the word qi, of course, means energy. We've talked about that a right. little bit. And gong means work. See, so chi gong is working with energy. Okay. And energy is everywhere. You know, it's you know, it's, it's part of this field of what the Tao is. Yeah. And, but yet, each one of us also has our own individual energies uh, contained within our being, within our body, within our brain, within our spirit, within our soul. Mm-hmm. And so the ancient Chinese, the ancient Taoist, and others discovered that by engaging in specific practices, we could learn how to harness, collect, balance, and strengthen qi for many purposes. Uh, Number one, of course, is for health. Uh, Because, uh, you know, in Chinese medicine recognizes something like 26 or 7 different forms of Chi energy in the body. And, you know, it's in the different organs, it's in the bones, it's in the structure, it's in the cells, it's everywhere. But by doing specific breathing and physical practices, you can have a sense of the chi responding to your intention. And so you can actually think a certain way and observe a certain way and breathe a certain way and actually manifest and feel the qi moving through your body. Mm -hmm. And all of your organs, you know, Chinese medicine recognizes 12 kind of fundamental organs of the body, and each one has its own field of qi. And when the qi in a particular organ gets out of balance, you know, it's too much, it's too little— Of course, if it's too little, you're going to become weak. Mm -hmm. It's going to not be flowing very well. You're going to become insubstantial. And the type of conditions or illnesses that come from a lack of energy or a lack of substance will begin to manifest. On the other end, if you have too much energy uh, collecting at a point or it's too intense, then you get things like infections. You get inflammation you get pain Mm -hmm. and so neither of those extremes is uh, conducive to good health (laughs) and so this Taoist notion of balance and harmony by engaging in qigong we come into energetic balance which leads to greater balance in the rest of our life and we have good health and yet a lot of energy at the same time that becomes accessible and usable in other aspects of your life
1: now, what, what are some specific
0: Qigong practices? Well, um, there are thousands of them. Okay. <laughs> and typically it involves standing or sitting in one position and then moving, uh, coordinating different parts of your body in motion. Uh, my teacher from China, he said, you have to synchronize your eyes, your mind, your movement with your breath. And when you do... Your chi, your energy will automatically manifest and begin moving more under your control, okay. or, you know, under your. Direction.
1: It's like a physical meditation almost.
0: It is a. That's why I said I compare it to to yoga. Yeah, you you, everyone I think has seen yoga where people you know move into different postures. They sit on the ground and they stretch and they breathe and they hold like a sun posture or something. Yeah, and uh, and then they move to the to the next one. Well, qigong is not. Uh, usually so much like that, like sitting on the floor and like getting into these uh, move, stretching type of postures. It's usually standing up and then moving the hands maybe in a circle or in a diagonal or in a spiral while following that motion with your eyes and with your breath. And so as the hand rises, we tend to Inhale as the hand fall or falls we tend to exhale as the hand moves in towards the body We'll tend to inhale and it moves away from the body. We tend to exhale. It's like Tai Chi the, Tai Chi follows the same principle Because in Qigong they say that the energy in the human body moves in a few ways energy tends to Rise and fall it expands and contracts mm-hmm. Right. it moves in and out and it gathers and dissipates. Mm-hmm. Those kind of uh, eight things are what the... And so Qigong follows that and gives you a practice to exercise this moving in and out, this rising and falling, this expanding and contracting, this gathering and dissipating. It follows those same actions but gives you a tool to actually practice that. Ah, okay. So now, how, how does one learn Qigong? Well, you go to someone who knows it, and we'll teach you. <laughs> <Okay. Fair. laughs> oh, and of course, there are books on it now, and there are uh, you know DVDs. I actually have a DVD <laughs> uh, out that teaches uh, qigong. Oh, nice! And um, I just finished contributing a chapter in a book, or I actually teach uh, you know some qigong uh, in the book even, and um, so there's, there's it's certainly out there now. It's definitely uh, abundantly available you know to people. And uh, one of my teachers, you know, my teacher who came from China, he was pretty much the first person to actually teach Qigong to non-Chinese people. Oh, wow. And uh, where it had been kind of a Chinese secret for thousands of years. Ancient Chinese know. secret. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, they they, they exist. <laughs> they exist. And then, of course, there are many different forms of Qigong. Like I mentioned, there's over a thousand right. at, at least. But even those thousands, you know, can be kind of condensed into a few categories. Some chi is kind of the chi moving through the physical body you know through the muscles and the joints and the tendons uh, another type of qigong is the chi that's moving and being collected and practiced in the organs of the body in the meridians okay. you know that chinese medicine uh, uses in fact it, by doing qigong you might say you're becoming your own kind of doctor of chinese medicine oh. rather than them putting a needle in you you're
1: practicing on yourself you're
0: practicing on yourself You know, because they put the needle in to do what? To stimulate or balance the flow of qi, and we can do that through qigong, right? So that's why if you do qigong and, you know, your meditation every day, you might have much less need of the medical profession, whether it's Western or Chinese. (laughs) You You
1: become your own doctor. You become
0: your own doctor. Yes. Uh, another form of qigong is that internal alchemy we've talked about, you know, where you're mixing, you know, different elements of, you know, your essence and your energy and your spirit, and trying to really uh, develop wisdom and the higher states of of psychic and spiritual enlightenment.
1: Now, how does one do that? Well, through very careful
0: practice. Uh, again, there are very specific types of qigong that tap into this essence that's said to be stored in your kidneys and then that moves that and connect that with the energy that's stored in the internal energy centers kind of in your lower abdomen Mm -hmm. and then link that to one that's another energy field that's in your heart in your heart and so when you link this energy from the kidneys and into the lower abdomen and connect that to the heart and then lift all that up into the brain to the pineal gland if you will the so-called third eye which is the th- kind of the third one mm-hmm. that the chinese uh, talk about that leads to a, a heightened sense of awareness and perspective and over time it'll, it leads to greater sense of, of wisdom and moves one along the process of becoming enlightened
1: Ah, yes Ah, oh, very nice <laughs> I got, now I got to start looking into this. So I've, I've got some real takeaways so far. I've got to read the Chongse, Chong Chongse, yeah, and uh, do a little Qigong. Mm. Part seven: The essence of Tao. Um, that the Tao is almost like. A, it, what, what are my perceptions of it is almost like a theory of everything
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: they talk about there's some yes. kind of scientific theory that links everything and I thought that you know many years ago Lao Tzu or whomever <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone yeah had this you know revelation through all this wisdom that he had accumulated and saw the through line that connected everything together that kind of was the sheet music to the universal symphony Mhm. if That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he kind of came across this and saw it as the Tao, which is like a metaphor to this dance that the universe is doing and this art of living, and kind of it all encapsulated into this mystery that he's describing to us. And the more we read about it, and the more we think about it, and the more that we learn about it, the better we can align with this, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like my perception of it is not that the Tao is you know, it's obviously, it's formula, it's formless, it's all this, it's like, I don't really see it as a mysterious substance, or a mysterious, maybe an energy, but, but I see it as more of this accumulation of this kind of universal physics, mm-hmm. kind of, and it's mm-hmm. like a metaphor that brings all of this together, whether it's, you know, the ether, or whether it's actual physical processes, mm-hmm. or whether it's actual sound waves, or mm-hmm. all these different kind of forms and substances yes. all comes together in this metaphor. Is kind of how I interpret the Tao. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just wondering, to get your opinion as a Taoist priest, do you see, what is the essence of the Tao a, a metaphorical thing, or is it an actual uh, physical, to use physical, you know, it's kind of a limited term, but a, a physical thing, or how, how do you perceive that? Well, <laughs> that's a that's a great one, isn't it? It's all of the
0: above and more. Ah. <laughs> yes and no, and all and all of the above and more. Okay. You know, obviously, in one level, the Tao represents all things that are found in our reality. Things that are both seen and things that are unseen, things that are known and things that are unknown, right. things that are perceived and things that cannot be perceived. And just because we can't perceive something doesn't mean it's not there. Right? Yeah. yeah. There are things that we're sitting in this room right, right now we're not perceiving right. necessarily, you know, things along the uh, color spectrum we don't see. Yeah. Uh, certainly the uh, EM spectrum, we're totally unaware of, right. probably all kinds of cosmic radiation going through here right now. Right. Do we see and feel and perceive all that? No. no does that not mean not it, consciously. <laughs> not right? consciously. Does that mean it's not there? Not at all. Not at all. And does it mean it's not having an effect on us? Probably not at all either, Right. right. So the Tao is that, that's why Lao Tzu wisely, first thing out of his mouth, the Tao that can be spoken, it's not the eternal Tao. Right. It's the wisest thing he ever said. You know? Right. Everything we're saying is not the Tao. <laughs> right. <laughs> because the Tao is bigger than all of this. Right. You know, and, and you, can't, you can't define it because defining it limits
1: it. Right. Uh, so I was trying to define it. In his loosest terms, just kind of put it slightly in a box, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to slightly box
0: the doubt, you know? Yeah, but calling it metaphorical, I think, is um, uh, is okay, because certainly it, 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 it lives and exists on metaphorical levels, right. you know, as something that relates to something else and is a good kind of all-encompassing description of smaller things that can be related to a larger concept, mm-hmm. you know? um again the you know the the ancient chinese saying the universe is in fact a sea of chi a sea of energy and the, similarly the word dao is a metaphor for all sorts of correspondences and relationships that can often be perceived but not readily discussed right yeah <laughs> yeah because discussing it we have to break it down into something that's more manageable, mm. something that uh we can both agree on. Oh, this word means that. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh when this word may not mean that at all mm-hmm. to you or to Sally over there yeah. or to Paulo over here <laughs> or to yeah. Bob back there, you know, that this term may mean something entirely different. And 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 the fact that it means something different to everyone is telling in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And even there, we likely have missed the essence of what this concept actually is, because no one, no one individual, can conceive and perceive all of that.
1: Right. Uh, it's not possible. You can't take everything in at once. No.
0: You know, there's the the founder of uh, of general semantics a man named Lord Alfred Korzybski, one of my favorite authors, Mm -hmm. his book um, Science and Sanity, a classic. You know, he talks about what he calls the structural differential uh, and the original event, kind of like something that occurred within the Tao. Mm -hmm. Now, and then that occurs, mm, it's out there in the Tao somewhere. Now, here we are, the sensing human being. Now, through our five senses and our thinking, we have to try to perceive and conceive of this event mm-hmm. in the Tao. Uh, to what extent are we going to be able to do that?
1: Uh, Only but, to the extent that uh, we uh,
0: can't... You know, so here, here's an event that's 100%. It's an event. Boom. Whatever it was. And then we have our five senses. How much of that event, whatever it was, are our five senses going to be able to apperceive? How about our brain, which of course is reduced to words and word associations
1: and things huh, huh. that we've learned previously? Right. We might not have a, a file temp- of- we might not
0: have a template that even encompasses this reality. Yes, yeah, so we at file it, all. it incorrectly, and so we we call it something else that we do have a name for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's like this, and so yeah. that's how I'm going to categorize this in my brain. It's going to go into that file, right. you know, where the thing out here that happened in the Tao is what it is in its fullness. And so there were aspects of that that never, ever even touched home in terms of our perceptual apparatus. Uh, it, yeah. ne-
1: it never even hit us. Yeah, it didn't, Not even on the radar. Yeah,
0: no. And, and so even the part that we were able to perceive and label was very limited, extremely limited. And so you talk about being out of, you know, the definition of insanity is being out of touch with reality. And mm-hmm. Well, so on, on one level, we're yeah. always out of touch with reality. Yeah, I mean, that's why so many crazy things happen in this world. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, actually, that's probably kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, what do we do as human beings? We try to explain this to someone else, right? Using our limited awareness and con- conceptions and perceptions and language. Uh, to someone else, who of course is equally limited in a, in their own unique and different ways, and so every time we try to explain this to ourselves or to someone else, and then to someone else and to someone else, uh, Korszipsy calls these uh, uh, levels of abstraction, right? Uh, be, because it's not the direct contact with the thing itself, which of course, in its fullness, is not possible, right? Like Lao Tzu said, you know, the Tao that can be told is not the not eternal the Tao. Tao. But that has to be okay. We have to be okay with the mystery. We have to be okay with, with the fact that we can only conceive of a lot of this metaphorically and through association and through our language, which by definition is imperfect. It's symbolic. Right, right. You know, la- a language is a symbol right. for something else. Right. And it's that something else <laughs> that's right. out there that happened in the field of the great Tao somewhere that we are trying to. As Taoist, at least, we're we we're, we're we're opening ourselves up to that level to things that we cannot define fully, that we know we can't even experience fully. Mm-hmm. We're not even completely aware of it because of the limitations of human perceptual awareness and right. human thought right. and language. Um, but what has what that leads to, unfortunately, in the world, are people. Talking about things they don't understand, (laughs) Mm. explaining it to other people who don't understand it, and then trying to make rules, laws, uh, truisms out of this. How many levels away from this reality of the Tao? 20? 20? Thirty, yeah. forty. You know, there's there's, a, there's this old saw in psychology. You know that if you say something to someone at the beginning of a of a row, and then have them whisper to the next person, and the next person, the next person. You know, by the time you get to twenty people down the row, yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, you know <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it, it has nothing to do with the reality of what was said. Now, if, if that happens with something that simple, can you imagine on the level of the, the Great Dow? You know how how disconnected we are from reality. Yeah. That's why I said, you know, we're, we're insanity is kind of our the, the way that we, we kind of exist one of my another one of my favorite authors uh this famous um british sc- uh, scottish psychiatrist R.D. lang ronald david lang mm. he wrote um uh a, a book back in the 1960s called the politics of experience okay. where he said essentially that normal man the average kind of joe and the politicians that they that represent the normal man the no, our normal state of being he said is insane right. completely insane because so-called normal people in the last uh, 50 years have killed perhaps 100 million of their fellows right what- Remotely, is sane about that. Right. Nothing. Nothing. And, and yet we're calling ourselves and our societies—you know—that are—that is legitimizing this genocide that's going on all the time. Reality we and sanity. Civilization. Civilization. Well, there's nothing civilized about it at all. Right. right. And, and yet this is our our, our mo, right? Our, uh-huh. our our modus operandi, and so. We, that's why we need to be so careful and so humble and approach our, our words and our thinking with a sense of humility because at one level we don't know what we're doing. We yeah. don't know what we're talking about. We're acting as if we do, and we're creating policies and procedures and rules and regulations and laws based on a, um, an, an inaccurate set of assumptions. Right. And that's why I think the results are often so negative, mm-hmm. uh, not only to people, uh, but to the environment, to mm-hmm. the ecosystem, mm-hmm. uh, because it's obviously not in harmony with the Tao.
1: Right. And, and so it's almost a way the Lao Tzu is, is protecting the sanctity of the Tao by, not, by keeping it in this metaphorical exactly. realm. Exactly. And so maybe we evolve to, and then we'll need the Tao Te Ching too. <laughs> in which you spell it out a little more. But...
0: Hence, what's this DAO all about? Right, right. <laughs> We're trying here. <laughs> right. Well, that
1: was a fantastic explanation, and I'm just going to listen back to that and assume I was just right. <laughs> so I was right. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> uh, that's That's the infallible human mind, right? Cherry-pick everything that agreed with my assumption and do that. Um, we so, can't help ourselves. I know. Let's see here. So we've got some listener mails here. Uh, and we get, and for everybody who sends them, we not, not everyone gets to the show, because uh, we get we get a lot, which is fit, fantastic. So please keep them coming. Um, I think- also, I
0: think it's it's valuable for people to just articulate their own questions and ideas. Right. You know, my, my Zen master was here a few weeks ago, and uh, he said the important thing is not the answer; it's the question.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: by uh, Layla Ashley. Okay. Yeah, so you can go right I've to heard K- her before. Oh, she's minute. great. Yeah. She actually was one of my Tai Chi students.
1: Oh, <laughs> and, oh okay. Yeah. That's how you got to know her. Okay.
0: And so you can just go to KPFK uh, online there and type in inspire me and it pops right up and you can listen to it uh, from anywhere in the world, anytime.
1: Perfect. Uh, so now moving on here, we've got uh, the inner chapters of uh, Chong How Am I saying that right? I mm-hmm.
0: know. Yeah, Chong Chongsu. Chong 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 Su. All
1: right. So, uh, uh,
0: unless you're Chinese, you probably can't see it right anyway. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I guess uh, I had never read this before, and it's, uh, I, I guess, what people would call kind of a companion piece yes. to the Tao Te Ching. Exactly. Uh, by a gentleman named Chong and it was written, and I guess about, what, 475 around then, uh, BC.
0: B.C. B.C., in the fourth century B.C., yep
1: yeah and uh, it's basically it's it's an interesting book because uh where the the Dao Ching is kind of like axioms or kind of poetry mm-hmm. uh, Chongsu is it's more it's like prose yes and it and there's different styles of prose where some of it is a is kind of allegorical some of it is just kind of almost like stories of <laughs> animals mm-hmm. and uh, some things are kind of a little <laughs> historical takes on things yes and what I really enjoyed about it. It's kind of Lao Lao Tzu is uh, pointing at humorous things in the Tao Te Ching, but Chong Tzu is almost like the Mark Twain of Taoism. Like, there's a lot of humor (laughs) in it, and uh, I I, I, I like that. I I got halfway through it, and I kind of highlighted the things that I found remarkable or interesting in the book, and, um, do you have any background on uh Chongsu uh Dr Carl that people should know before getting to this or well, like you said uh, he
0: was he was a, a later kind of scholar of, of the Dao, and uh I think you know his works formed a a kind of a a balance to some of the more Confucian w- ways of perceiving. Uh, daily life Mm -hmm. you know because like you said you know he kind of had his tongue in his cheek a lot of the times yet he was very profound and wise and uh, wanted to move us beyond you know uh, form and and being rigidly held to form as a way of existing in daily life and in structuring relationships and what he was probably most famous for uh, are these so-called seven inner Inner chapters, yeah. uh, you know, because there was there was more written you know, at that period of time. But scholars say that the only thing we can really be sure that he himself wrote were just these seven so-called inner chapters the rest of me, you know I don't know what you know how much you know about Chinese scholarship but it, it's strange
1: yeah it's very strange it's not as rigidly uh, documented is uh, uh, no the Western.
0: because sometimes somebody will write something really profound but out of humility will say oh I didn't write this uh, Buddha wrote this yes. Lao Tzu wrote this right. Chanza wrote this yeah. not literal me yeah, why? You yeah. know? <laughs> and then other times people will take things written by somebody else and put their own name on it right. <laughs> so you have to talk about yin and yang you know right but the the, the most famous part of trance is his butterfly dream
1: yeah and, let me yeah let me i love
0: the butterfly dream you know where he said this once upon a time i trance dreamt i was a butterfly fluttering hither and thither <laughs> to all intents and purposes a butterfly I was conscious only of my happiness as a butterfly, unaware I was Chansa. Suddenly, soon, I awakened, and there I was, verifiably myself again. Now, I do not know whether I was then a man dreaming I was a butterfly, or whether I am now a butterfly dreaming I am a man. Between a man and a butterfly, there is necessarily a distinction. The transition is called the transformation Of material things, Mm. that's awesome. So, what is existence? Is it what we perceive? Is what we are, and is how we are perceiving things accurate, or is it more a fantasy? Is it wishful thinking? Is it projection?
1: Is it Maya? Is
0: it is it illusion? Yeah. Is is it a dream? Now, on the other hand, out of imagination and out of dreams, have emerged everything that we have ever created and so I think here in the West I've said this before imagination gets a bad rap Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think the most important thing that we as human beings have is our creative imagination because that allows us to dream and to vision things that have not been but could be things that are actually in the process of becoming
1: it's the potential
0: it's the potential Mm -hmm. and if you don't have that then what do you have left? Karma. Mm. You just keep repeating the old patterns that you've been doing forever and ever and ever.
1: So it's this imagination is the fertile ground in which many of it, if you apply the day, the virtue in action, yes. brings it into being. And, <laughs> exactly. and lots of these things, even like a, an abstract dream or something that touches you in these weird forms of conscious change our everyday reality Because then you have this weird idea that hits you, and you meld it with something else, you know, the creative alchemy, and then suddenly now you have something in the world. But what began as almost a misfiring of brain (laughs) synapses becomes present in the world one day, you know, like, I was in my uh, writer's group, I do a writer's group uh, every, every, every other week with a bunch of local writers, and one guy had this whole story, and the story was good, Uh, It didn't quite add up, and it was a little kind of wonky or off. And I knew this writer is a very precise writer, so I was wondering why. Mm -hmm. And and then he just told me, this was a dream I had. Ah. And the whole thing, and he just put it all down. And so it made sense. But you know there's that weird dream sense where there's a feeling, a tone of something that makes sense or makes something climax or makes something feel whole, even though... Literally, they're not. Yes, like a tone, like the like the end of two thousand and one, a space odyssey, Mm. isn't really a logical ending. Right. But it's a satisfying something deep inside us yes. is projected on the screen right there. We yes. all understand that. Yes. Putting into words, you know, like the Tao. Yes. We don't quite yes. have.
0: Yeah. We know this. What we just experienced was deep. And literally yeah. it it is deep because it's very, very layered. It's very measured. It's very nuanced. Yeah. Just like life. Mm-hmm. Now, many people, of course, see things more black and white, this and that, you know, the polarized. And don't see the subtleties, which of course leads to all sorts of problems. Right. Because then my reality is going to clash with your reality if they're contrasted that much. But if we are able to see the layers and experience that you know everybody, no matter how they seem, is breathing the same air they have the same blood moving through their veins everybody basically wants to be accepted and loved and cared for and to experience happiness and pleasure we're much more alike than we are different Mm -hmm. and so I think that understanding these messages from reverie from dreams from fantasy you know my one of my shaman Teacher says this the shamans dream their life into existence right the shaman dreams life into existence and so they're always looking at potential and possibility and at your highest possible evolution and it's out there somewhere in space it's out there because in the universe of unlimited possibilities everything is out there and we often will approach that first in the dream state. Mm-hmm. That's why dreaming and keeping a dream journal can be so important to spiritual growth and psychological stability
1: and well-being. Right. You know, it's interesting. You ever, you ever have a dream about like, I don't know, someone in your workplace or someone you know or whatever, and then the next day you see that person and you're, even, even though this came from a dream, your perception of them is different yes yeah you you just dreamed in this new perception of this person which will then change your interactions
0: yes because remember that our conscious attention our conscious mind is only a teeny small part of consciousness yeah the rest of it is in the subconscious or the unconscious or the collective unconscious even yeah and that these states are approachable most directly through the dream, mm. and through meditation in states of reverie. Yeah. And that's why people for thousands of years have done that, because they recognize, kind of what you just said, that our life and our interactions are enriched if we are in touch with this other reality. You know, what uh, Carlos Castaneda and Don Juan called a separate reality, the right. title of his second book.
1: Yes, I, I, I read that quite some time yes. ago. Yes. You know, also, I was thinking... There is, a, I think it was a John Cleese, the comedian, was saying that you know, creativity isn't necessarily... Uh, the, the creativity is learning how... T- it's like a process. And as part of that process, it's opening yourself up to that and not blocking yourself off and going off to this area. Like uh, there was a movie, Finding Neverland, where uh, Johnny Depp played J.M. Barry, and he's talking to Kate Winslet. And she says, you have this place you can go to in your mind where these ideas come and this whole thing is and I think the creative mind is one that embraces that and yes. sees it and tries to nurture it whereas maybe somebody who isn't is somebody that doesn't see its value or doesn't know it's there yes. but it's it's a latent thing in everybody yes and what one more thought on the dream thing as and as the dreams this kind of uh thing can shape our reality and it comes in unconsciously and it comes in unchoosingly these ideas come in then they're manifest in uh, one of the, I guess when he, when it comes to evolution, one of the things that affect uh, genetic mutation are like cosmic rays, right? So uh, you have like some kind of cosmic radiation, you know, comes out from the sun or something, and that has an effect on the genetics of things. Mm-hmm. It can actually change genetics. Mm-hmm. And so there's it's this natural thing that hits the earth, it changes something genetically, and now the whole... Genome of the universe changes, and now new things can arise. Yes, in the same way that dreams yes. can affect this reality as well. Yes,
0: much of reality we have no conscious awareness of uh, because it's too subtle. Yeah, you know, how many people can feel the effect of cosmic rays on them right now? <laughs> no. Not really. No. Or or gravity. I mean, you know, you can feel the you know the weight pulling you down, but it's affecting us on many, many, many other levels, too. We're completely unaware of. Yeah. Not to mention all the electromagnetic things in the air and God knows what else.
1: Yeah. And chemtrails. And, <laughs> I got and, my tinfoil and, hat and, on now. Oh,
0: and natural gas, right? Oh, jeez, right? yeah. <laughs> you border know, ranch. Border ranch. You know, all those. So w- we are being affected on so many levels. It's been, in fact, let me tell you something. It's been estimated that every second in our subconscious E, over 11 million bits of information pass through your subconscious every second. And
1: most of them are about football. Nah. But the rest are about the <laughs> doubt. No, I'm kidding. No, and, yeah. and,
0: and, and so we're clueless. Yeah. We're clueless. We just think we know who we are, what we're doing. And as I've mentioned before, not one person can tell you what their next thought is going to be. No. So wh- how does that affect free will? If we don't know what's going on, if we're clueless, we don't know what our own mind, particularly at the unconscious and subconscious and collective unconscious levels, are dealing with and processing and assimilating, uh, we have to put an effort towards remaining fully aware and conscious. Hence, meditation. Hence, lucid dreaming. Hence, states of reverie. Hence, being mindful, watching the self all of these are tools to do what the taoist um one of the taoist immortals the one who's on my wall up here Tong pin he was famous for saying you have to turn the light around Mm -hmm. you have to turn the light of awareness around and 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 without judgment just notice what's going on because until you know what's going on you don't know Mm -hmm. and if you don't know you're acting in an unconscious manner which means you are now a slave of karma again right. and are doomed to repeat it forever. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time. Right.
1: <laughs> What's This Tao All About is recorded at the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Check out the Taoist Institute dot com. See their schedule of classes, including Taoist Meditation, Kung Fu, and Qigong. That's Taoist Institute dot com. Uh, let's see here I have uh, another thing there's a little anecdote I really liked on page 17 I have here where I was really appreciating the Tzu's, uh humor because I I from my readings of different you know spiritual things I don't find humor in much of it <laughs> and I you know I and I find that the the one of the most beautiful things about Taoism and the way it's written and the way it's portrayed is the humor in it and the the irony and, you know, it's, and I think that's, I mean, you know, humor and irony, it's a metaphor for the greater big picture. It's almost, it's pointing towards things we can't get to in words. Yes. You know, it's uh, the Tao that cannot be told. That's right. But humor can paint the picture. You know,
0: that's why comedians can get away with saying anything that ordinarily is straight up. You can they'd shoot you.
1: (laughs) Well, nowadays, you can't look at South Park. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, the the sad thing is that now (laughs) people are getting so, uh, you know, politically correct about everything that they're taking comedy. And in that safe space, that is a comedy club or whatever, where we work out these ideas, we work out this reverie, we work out these kind of uh outside, I don't know, what, what do you call it? Outside off the beaten path kind yes. of ideas and it's almost a laboratory for those ideas. But then somebody tweets out and everybody beats the comedian up and you're kinda of killing that. I know. You know, I in know. a weird way. It's a weird thing where you want to build the most tolerant society ever and in 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 a way of of people trying to be so tolerant they become intolerant right it's a weird weird thing to kind of figure out the the balance that's
0: why when i teach classes on diversity you know there's always this talk about becoming tolerance and we have museums of tolerance and all kinds of things do you really want to just be tolerated (laughs) yeah i want to be accepted or would you rather be accepted loved appreciated you know, for the the, the the newness that you are, that you personally are adding to the mix. Right. Hey, there's never been another person on this earth like you. Right. 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 You're unique. Right. Right. And so it's all a big stew. Right. But yeah. you are you're adding your unique ingredients to the to the stew. Right. And we need to appreciate that. Can you imagine how bland it would be if you had to eat the same food every
1: day? Have mm. so the <laughs> museum of appreciation. Right. Maybe tolerance is the first step for some people. Right. Yeah to the text I got from my sister today but that's <laughs> not, we'll get into that later um, so in, in uh, page 17 the funny thing is that they're, they're these uh, chapters in my version they're not they're not labeled there's some stuff in Chinese which I assume is the labeling but Hui said I have a big allianthus tree Its trunk is so gnarled and full of knots that it is impossible to measure accurately. Its branches are too twisted and crooked for anyone to measure with a compass and square. It stands at the side of the road, but no carpenter would give it a second glance. Now, your words are as big and useless that no one wants to hear what you have to say. (laughs) You know, it's just... The words are just as big and useless as this tree that's knotted and gnarled. I love the... I love the visual, you
0: know. It
1: says like a a tree like that is kind of a metaphor for a man's thinking. And I always think that the, the interior of your car probably looks a lot like your mind.
0: <laughs> right?
1: If if you have a big messy car that's everywhere, I'm sure your your thinking is the same. Yeah, right?
0: That's why cleaning is such an important tool. Yeah. You know. Now, I for one love big gnarled trees. What looks more interesting than something which has grown right out of nature into this unusual beautiful curved carved twisting configuration yeah it catches your attention every time right you can't whereas just a regular tree you'll walk right by and not even know that's there right right it's just part of the landscape and so that see again that goes back to your our uniqueness. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're gnarled and curved in a way that catches my attention, remember what I said earlier that Taoists are curious, mm-hmm. and that curiosity leads to then knowing, which right. leads to understanding, and then appreciation, right? Right? right. And embrace. And so, uh, it, it's a metaphor for how we're holding reality, and and things that capture our attention
1: in reality and the funny thing is the guy who says this is talking to Chong Su yes so and yes. and then in the end uh he he jokingly says you know no one will try to cut it down nothing can harm it because it has no use yes you know yes yes <laughs> so yeah. the the tree will live to fight again you that's know? right that's right as you, will Chong
0: Su <laughs> yeah you you can tell he's a chip off the old uh Lao Tzu block <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> Let's see here. What else? <laughs> uh, some other stuff I really liked here. Uh, there's a, I guess, page 32 in my book here. Is that there's a thing on distinctions.
0: Ah, distinctions.
1: When right and wrong appeared, Tao declined. Chao hmm. Wen played the lute. Xia Quang kept time with the baton. And Hui Su leaned on a stump and debated. Each of these three masters was nearly perfect in his own art their names will be remembered forever. (laughs) And then the last thing is, not making distinctions, but dwelling on which is unchanging is called clear vision. Mm. So we're talking, Mm. again, the black and white mind that makes distinctions. Yes. That's not open to the... That that sees, as Alan Watts says, that sees the world in a prickly fashion. Yes. He has two... ah, I forget what the other one is. I always forget these things. He sees the the, world... There's the prickly and then there's the wavy... <laughs> and the wavy is the Tao, and the prickly is the other. Yes. You
0: know. See, and again, it kind of uh, alludes towards some of the distinctions. Speaking of distinctions between a more Confucian way of um, uh, of, 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 of of apprehending reality and a more Taoist or Neo-Taoist way. Yeah. And remember, Confucius uh, met Lao Tzu. And that day, he, he was struck by his, his, his appearance and his words and his presence and his being, and he told his disciples, huh, today I met a dragon. Right. That's awesome. I <laughs> met a dragon. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, we also have on page 40, uh, uh, Chang Su talks a little bit about beauty. Mao Chang and Li Qi were considered beautiful by men, but if fish saw them, they would dive to the bottom of the river. <laughs> If birds saw them, they would fly off. If deer saw them, they would run away of these four, who recognizes real beauty
0: <laughs> interesting.
1: interesting I love that you, you, you can look great, but in the entirety of things, what does it really matter like i always say that to myself. I was like, you know, uh, what odd beings we are and certainly we've got these arms and we're flopping around and everything, but to us because it's us we're you know we're fine. Right. But I'm sure we look like aliens to, you know, my dog. Right, you
0: know? right. And we don't know about the eye of the beholder. And human beings, we're funny-looking critters. Yeah. You know, and look at your hand. Uh, what is, like, little, you know, you got five little worms kind of coming out, and they wiggle and around and stuff, and you got this fuzzy stuff on top of your head. Yeah, and, uh, some of us. Uh, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't even go into our more internal anatomy <laughs> oh, and yeah. how ridiculous that is. Yeah. You know, the, uh, uh, biological life, as efficient as it is in many respects is very inefficient in other respects you know it has to consume it has to take in energy it has to process it and then it has to excrete it yeah. uh, is that the most efficient and effective way for something to exist in the universe well it, it certainly has developed you know it's obviously meeting the adaptational needs of, of us as an organism and all organisms in the universe are, have to adapt to change. Mm-hmm. They ha- and it has to have balance, homeostasis, and it has to have some way of feeding or nurturing itself. Our, ours just seems to be, you know, relying on food and water every day. It just seems to be kind of cumbersome, which is why the Taoist adepts, the Taoist immortals, what's their diet? do an air, an air, do right. an air. And they ride the clouds, right? With the dragons, right? right, And see, so that's a metaphor for becoming less attached to these biological realities so that one's spirit can soar at that dragon level, that level of transcendence and wisdom and evolution.
1: As uh, Alan Watts said, uh, to to some they may just consider us tubes.
0: Yes, I say I I cannot tell you how many times I have said that we're just tubes. Yeah, we <laughs> take stuff in, we metabolize it, and we send it right back out. <laughs> right, <Yeah. laughs> uh, almost like a flatworm, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> who do the same things, <laughs> <laughs> and we think we're so advanced.
1: Oh right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh let's see here. You know what? We've got so much stuff from Chongsu here. I think we're we're gonna just do Chongsu and we can do our, our chapter of the next show and stuff. Oh okay so we can push it on. Um let's see here. Uh there there's a, a real quick line on the infinite. He says uh, forget time, forget distinction. Enjoy the infinite, rest yeah. in it. Mm. And it's like there's a there's a song by the Chemical Brothers and the guy Noel Gallagher it's called Let Forever Be, mm. and it's just just mm. release yourself in the infinite. Because mm. you know if you if you if you look at things when you have a an atom, right, you could just keep keep splitting. Right, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a nuclear blast. Some splitting, but <laughs> they just keeps, it things just keep getting smaller and smaller, and they're still things, yes. right? It's yes. things are in, things are infinitely huge. You know, mm-hmm. like the universe mm-hmm. or infinitely small. Yes. And so there's no real, uh, you know, up or down, left, right, blah, 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 blah. It, it, we are in this kind of infinite space. Yes. And th- there's such a power in that that to release oneself to it, to give yourself up to it is a, a, a beautiful sacrifice yourself to this infinite nurturing yes. thing. Yes. Uh, is, is is beautiful, and to realize that in Changsu, four hundred years BC w- was on this.
0: As above, so below. And as one of my favorite poets, E.E. E. Cummings mm. said, "Forever was never, till now." Right. Oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah, good. Right now, this is it. This mm-hmm. moment, but this moment is informed by what's above and what's below. What's at that macrocosmic level, what, moving towards infinity, and in the other direction, also moving towards the infinitesimally small, the microcosmic level, and we human beings, right here, positioned between heaven and earth, are said to represent the fulfillment and the manifestation of those two cosmic forces within infinity, within uh. the infinite nature of reality. And that's why we being here right now is so important. Because this is all there is. Right. This is all there is. All right. Past and future all bisect this moment in space and time right here, right now. And waking up to this reality is what this Tao is all about.
1: Nice. Uh, And I'm going to finish up with this last one. Uh, On page 55. The cook ding cuts up an ox, which is another... Like, I, this could seriously... If it wasn't so bloody, it could be a Disney cartoon like <laughs> in Fantasia or something. Um, this is the, the cook says, When I first began to cut, up, cut open oxen, I saw nothing but oxen. After three years of practicing, I no longer saw the ox as a whole. Now, I now work with my spirit, not with my eyes. My senses stop functioning, and my spirit takes over. Mm. Mm. A good cook changes his knife once a year because he cuts, while a mediocre cook has to change his his every month because he hacks. Mm. Mm. However, when I come to difficulty, I seize up the joint, I look carefully, keep open my eyes on what I'm doing, and work slowly. Well done, said the prince, I guess who was talking to him. From the words of my cook, I have learned the secret of growth. Yes, I love it. I love it yeah
0: that's why again being using discernment to see at any given moment what is the most auspicious um, way to approach our existence our relationships our work our play Uh, if we're precise we don't waste a lot of energy if we're imprecise, if we just hack at it, we, we make a lot of errors and we create a lot of debris, yeah. <laughs> There's a big mess, and, and you rub other people the wrong way mm-hmm. because you've clashed with their perception of reality. But if you were precise and more using, again, your powers of discernment, which means you have to slow down and notice and just allow your impressions to come to you rather than trying to force your reality on the external world, uh, when when we live out of that perspective, our life is so much easier. Mm. That is the watercourse way. Wu Wei. Wu Wei. Without uh, acting without action, effortless action.
1: Part 9, Taoism and God what's this dao all about in the the western concept of god right you have you know it's a, a, a person in charge of everything created everything is the mind that brought everything into existence and he's a he's a kind of a particular fellow that wants you to behave in certain ways and he had, you know, he
0: felt always a man, huh?
1: Oh, oh, well, <laughs> it always says he, right, right, <laughs> right, and uh, and and thats kind of the the concept of the Western God, you know, it's Allah or you know the the Old Testament God or the you know New Testament God, and I I don't see uh, how does that play into Taoism? Is there a Taoist concept of God?
0: Well. I say, you know, that's a that's a great question. Well, what is God? What is the Tao? Well, usually the Tao and maybe God too is interpreted as being something that's vast, something that's infinite, something that has no beginning and no end, something that's eternal, without limitation, the source of all creation. Uh, the, that that's often how people think of as the Tao, and it's starting to sound an awful lot like God, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So e- even if the traditional, certainly philosophical Taoists don't posit uh, a, a, a man with a beard sitting in, in a throne somewhere, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which they don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they don't posit that, but they do posit that there certainly is this energy this consciousness this thing that we can't put a word on so for lack of a better term they call it the Tao. right you know that encompasses many of the attributes that i think many cultures would ascribe to the notion of god
1: right right
0: so is there a a god or is there this nameless eternal formless thing that is known that, for lack of a better term, we, we, we just refer to as the as the Tao. You know, the Tao sees all things as part of itself. It's beyond distinctions. That's something that we do. Yeah, you know, We make uh, distinctions. The Tao doesn't. Uh, uh, and I
1: guess the Western kind of concept of God does make kind of distinctions. Mm-hmm. You it, know? it
0: sees it as separate from itself. You know, it's something to attain, something to... You know uh, you know through good deeds or something you you die and then you uh, ascend to heaven and sit on yeah. the throne the right hand of God left hand of God you sit somewhere you, right. know? <laughs> you, you, you will yeah, be yeah. sitting yeah regardless. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and and it's not now it's later you know it's yeah. after this existence
1: and that was a thing it was in the, the thing in the the Tao of Pooh, I remember. <laughs> and in the Tao of Pooh, Benjamin Hoff writes that in the Western civilization, we're, we're looking for the great reward. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I will make this money and I will find success. Mm-hmm. I will find favor with an eternal God that will then bring me into heaven, and then mm-hmm. I'll be happy. It's this right. down the road thing, right. whereas the Tao, it's boom, right here. It's right now. Right now.
0: See, it's not a separate experience yeah. because the Tao... Posits that beyond separation exist eternity and infinity it, it's already here mm-hmm. it, and once we transcend the aspects of ourself that prevent us from being one with that then we will be there too right we'll be there too
1: It was like the eldest it, Huxley the doors of perception yes right you know yes. what, what what the full line when uh oh darn it you do something and then once you once you break down the doors of perception all is infinite yes, yes. you know
0: when it's what i call a timeless state of grace mm-hmm. you know this state of beingness itself and and who can ask for more than that mm-hmm. you know remember we were talking i think the last show about about how how everything manifests as this interconnected field of energy, this quantum field. We are immersed in this quantum field. But how many of us know that? How many of us experience that as an actual reality? And so once we transcend, it's like having blinders. Once you move away the blinders, it's not that you weren't there. If I put my hand in front of my eyes, I can't see you. You were always there. I just have to remove the blinders and then what was always there is just manifest. Right. And that's
1: the Tao. You're stripping the, away to get to that that sense. Yeah. We're
0: removing the separation, the illusion of separation, and then returning to the wholeness of what has always been there, will always be there. Yeah. You know, you know, they say in physics, you know, that energy can neither be created or destroyed. It's eternal, it's infinite. It just changes form. Mm-hmm. It changes shape,
1: much like the worm to the bird we were talking earlier about the indifferent universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The worm becomes internalized by the becomes bird,
0: food, and, and then the droppings actually nurture new life. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we were talking in between shows. We were talking about something about how uh how about r- how to grow,
0: how to grow a garden right you need manure I mean, you need manure yeah
1: <laughs>
0: and so waste becomes the source of new life right isn't that a miracle the waste
1: begets <laughs> non-waste
0: yes yeah right talk about returning to the source right you see it makes perfect sense yes it really does yeah you know it was, it, so it's it's a matter of altering our own perception to be more inclusive mm-hmm. because most people's perception is very much like a horse, you know, with blinders on, and we only see what's right in front of us, yeah. and what, we, and even that, we, we're comparing what we see right in front of us to what we've seen in the past, and we're making associations, and then creating a label and putting on what's right in front of us. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: Now, uh, in, in, uh, the, in the Western mind, you have the idea of heaven. Once, you know, if I, if I act according to God's law, if I accept, I have faith— uh, then eventually, I will have this kind of eternal state of, you know, bliss after in heaven and, you know, playing the harp and hanging out and everything. <laughs> so I get my mansion, as Ricky Gervais says. Uh, so, or maybe uh,
0: even some virgins.
1: Yeah. Hey, depending on which doc- god. <laughs> hey, why not, right? Uh, so, so that's what now the, the Tao Te Ching, uh, Taoism doesn't really have that kind of afterlife promise or anything like that.
0: No. No. Remember this field of energy. Remember, it can only change shape. You can't. You can't. You can't kill it. Yeah. There's no way to kill anything. Really, it can only change form. And then, like the droppings, it's going to become some other form right. uh, later. And so, I think that the Taoist way, this returning, is returning to where. Remember, I think the last show we were talking about. There, there's there's actually a place in in the heart. Of unity consciousness. Mm -hmm. Our brains is what does all this separation of this and that and judging and critiquing and keeping us from feeling our connection to the fullness, the holistic totality of the infinite. Mm -hmm. Once we let go of that so much and return to this sacred space in the heart and find this place of unity, we're, we're home. Right. We're home. We, we, we've gone to heaven, if you will. Right. You yeah. Know, we found heaven right here in our own immediate experience. Right. And it was just our this separation that was keeping us really in a type of hell. Mm-hmm. Because separation, almost by definition, leads to conflict, judgment, conflict, killing, death, war, etc. Mm-hmm. A hellish environment. Right. Yeah. So I think that If we're living externally and separate from ourselves and from other people, we literally have already created hell. And heaven, if you will, is going back to this original state of innocence, to this timeless place of eternity. It's returning. It's returning. Mm. And the action of the Tao is always returning. Always. Remembering who we, I remember I always say, where do you come from? Who are you? Where? Are you, why are you here? And where are you going? Yes. And 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 that's a remembering process. It's not something that you have to create so much. You have to let go of the obstacles that keep you from being in touch with your own inner nature. Mm-hmm. And then, what's internal, and what's external, crossing that bridge. To bring what's internal into external existence so that we're living our dream right we're, we're living this internal reality of who we are in the external world the moment you do that you are in the flow you are surfing the cosmic wave <laughs> you are in the Dow right and you are in the now and it's beautiful <laughs>
1: Part 10, A World Out of Balance See Joe, so you wanted to talk a little bit about on this show, before we get to the Tao Te Ching, a little more on yin and yang. We left We left some, some material on the table last time. I think it's <laughs> such a, a huge concept.
0: Yes, all of Taoism, uh, much of it can be... Uh, subsumed under the concepts of yin and yang and we could spend several years i'm sure as people have spent many centuries Mm -hmm. discussing yin and yang and have not exhausted the subject and we shall not today yes however as we all know that lately just looking around the country and looking around the world Uh, We see, I see, you see, we all see uh, evidence of things way out of balance. Uh, There's so much uh, war and decadence and injustice and violence and people flipping out and freaking out and doing just bizarre, crazy, outrageous things. Uh, wh- where is all that uh, coming from, and where's the balance in all of that? Yeah. Uh, obviously we're far from being balanced on many many levels.
1: Now, 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 Doctor Carl, would would you say it was funny? I was having a, a there was a conversation I was having with somebody who had listened to uh, this show, mm-hmm. and one of his I don't know what he one of his criticisms of Taoism. Maybe you can enlighten me on this, or maybe it's part it wraps into Yin and Yang. Well, is that there's a certain part of The human, which is you know how we evolved, and there's parts of us that are still a bit violent, savage. Uh, There's parts of that that are kind of a natural part of humanity, right? Now, would you say that lots in lots of the places, the ways that there's war and you know just random mass killings throughout the country, is that part of our normal nature? Are are we maybe just in balance expressing this, or are we out? (laughs) Yeah. Well,
0: I I think that many, many people have a very difficult time understanding what their nature, what human nature really is all about, Mm -hmm. Um, because we have been raised in a certain way um what goes into creating a human being anyway there there are genetic influences there are uh, biological influences there are psychological and emotional social, social yeah. uh communication relational things that happen from relationships things that happen in our in our lineage in our family in our family of origin all of these influences can help condition who we are mm-hmm. and then all of that takes place in the context of the society that we're in right and the sub societies that we're in and here in the United States with people from all over the world with all sorts of practices and traditions and attitudes and religions and philosophies we are really in a hodgepodge mm. of many many different things mm-hmm. and a lot of these things don't necessarily mesh together very well. Or we as individuals or as groups or collectives don't necessarily assimilate and balance that very well.
1: And the lack of that is what leads to the violence or... and,
0: And the lack of that and the fact that I think that we're so busy just surviving a lot of the times that we aren't doing kind of what you were talking about earlier, taking time to just sit back and just be... Present with yourself to really get kind of a, a, a handle on wh- what wh- where are my thoughts going right now, what 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 am I emotionally attached to right now, what are all these feelings that I'm experiencing, what are they driving me you know to do, now you of course being a nice uh, well balanced mentally healthy individual, uh, uh, when, ask when, when, my wife, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. when when even when you get off kilter a little bit. Your, your your natural or unnatural tendency is not to go out and uh, uh, put a knife in someone no. or pick up a gun and go into a school and start shooting people. No, no. But there are other people not quite as balanced as you. Uh, w- w- see that they don't have a filter between their p- raw, primitive thoughts and emotions and their behavior. Right. And so they just they'll just act this stuff out. Right. And so. If there's a concept of sin, which of course is, I think, in every spiritual or religious path, sin is uh, harming others. Mm. It's really being not uh, kind and not not, uh, nurturing in your uh, personal and social and behavioral interactions with others, Mm. but being violent and uh, crude in those relationships. So if there's a sin of commission, which obviously look around, there are, I I think that if we're gonna talk about this from the perspectives of yin and yang, there are also sins of omission. There there are things that we are not fully uh, activating, uh, expressing, uh, putting into practice, that then in the vacuum, allow all of these other things, this acting out, to take place. Ah, And I think that that's another place where meditation is so valuable because that's when we discover our inner resources, uh, parts of ourselves that have kind of slipped under the radar because we've been so busy doing and thinking. We missed all of this really rich portions of ourselves where at the deepest level we understand the single most important thing to understand, which is that there's no separation,
1: really? that
0: ultimately we're all in this together, we're all in the same universe, we're all in the same solar system, we're all in, on the same planet Earth, breathing the same air, experiencing the same thoughts, emotions, feelings, and yet we have, we've created artificially so many things that divide us along ethnic, racial, political, uh, economic uh, lines mm-hmm. and so there's always another and whenever when we see other individuals as the other and don't see our common humanity then it becomes very very easy to, to begin to
1: act out violently act or- out
0: violently to, degr- to want to degrade something that we see as separate from ourselves mm-hmm. and that to me is uh, socially and economically and politically our major problem Hmm. this division into and demonizing of the other when actually we're so much more alike than yeah. different
1: yes definitely we really are
0: yeah definitely yeah at a deep at every level physiologically you know we all have the same type of brain waves you know our our minds and bodies and emotional processing apparatus all work pretty much the same but it's what we're doing with that that uh, separates and challenges us and so I think that if we're going to try to help society change direction, <laughs> yeah. we, we we need to have some practices such as meditation and talking about things like what's this Tao all about, right. you know, to, to 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 give us some tools, some resources to move forward, because I think that right now we're stuck, uh, and many many levels we're stagnant, and in Chinese medicine, stagnation leads to.
1: Disease, Disease, ill health, yeah,
0: in ba- Ill, Ill health, and I think that the world right now is kind of stagnant and stuck in, in, in an ill health position because we have not learned how to transcend and see the big picture. Yeah, you know, you know, in in history, the most exciting times were when we had what a Renaissance, right, where where everybody seemed to be thinking at a at a higher level, and then you see literature evolve, art. Music, yeah. science, everything kind of rises to a really high level because people are not just squabbling among themselves. And instead, there's something, there's, there's a, I'd say, a, a greater good, a higher goal. And I think that this greater good and this higher goal is what we're just desperately missing right now. And each of us, I think, needs to really search our souls and say, again, why are we here? Where, where are we going? Mm. And and, and if, if the answers to that are not to our liking, then I think it's incumbent upon us to really uh, dig deep and find the answers. I'm not saying that I know all the answers, that anyone has all the answers. But collectively, if we realize our common humanity and really begin to express what's known as unity consciousness, mm-hmm. and that links all of us then I think it's much much easier to find this 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 higher good that really permeates um, human striving for the last several thousand years. Right. Yeah. You know, because right now we're we're in we're in, we're dipping. Yeah. <laughs> We've dipped. We're going the opposite <laughs> direction of yeah. where we're we're yeah. we're we're we're, there, we're we're devolving to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it's costing us uh, dearly. Remember, unity and love is the heart of all true spiritual paths. Mm-hmm. And anything that um, uh, uh, avoids deviates that, or deviates yeah. from that, uh, to me, is not a true spiritual path. Mm-hmm. It's something that someone has just kind of created in their brain right. <laughs> uh, to try to justify uh, and excuse some of their own misbehavior.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. People, I, there's the old saying uh, God hates the same people we do. right and there's a lot of people that happen to be bigoted or prejudiced and they use their religion to justify that kind of behavior right like two people could be of the same kind of uh, religious mind like there there are many uh, i'd say people who are christian and some of them are like god takes care of those you know who take care of themselves screw those people right (laughs) and then there's some people that go oh i'm christian i'm going to be loving and give and that's all i can do is give you know what i'm saying there's there's (laughs) You know what I'm saying? There's some people their their, their idea of of, of Christ as a warrior, and I'm going to run out there with my <laughs> submachine gun. And there's other people that see it as a the person of peace. And you know what I'm saying? It's uh, the the and it, the loaves and the fishes, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And then it just it just becomes a, a man, it, that own person's own soul and their own needs, wants, and desires, and projecting religion onto that. Yes. Instead of following maybe the the truth of it, or yeah,
0: unity, unity consciousness, uh, as as embodied and emboldened with love is what uh, is is the true path mm-hmm. in 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 all uh, authentic spiritual traditions. Mm-hmm. And if we deviate from that, well, we've deviated. Right. Oh, yeah. We've deviated. And there's a lot of deviants in this world yes. right now. <laughs> there are plenty. <laughs> and and so. Uh, I think the purpose of these podcasts is to remind ourselves and to remind our listeners that, uh, you know, we, we, we each of us, at some level, we already know. We know. But we have to find what we know. Because it's easy to miss. Right. You know, because we, get, we we're too busy. We're so busy doing and acting and thinking. And uh, the media, of course, is (laughs) is notorious for conditioning us to believe that, oh, I I need to get this and I need to have that, you know. And so we're either being kind of motivated to buy something or we're being distracted from uh, really greater teachings and knowings that we really could be doing. As I often tell people, why are you here? Is it just to um, make money and pay your bills? Is that Mm -hmm. why you're here? I I think not.
1: It's funny. I think not. I I work in advertising, you know, during my n- normal uh, life, and it's it's so funny because the things that you read, because you read a lot of books on uh, manipulation and trying to get you know get people to buy something, get people to get turned on to a product, all these things, and I I almost kind of call it the dark arts. <laughs> Because it's not, uh, you know, it's the, the, the manipulation techniques and stuff that people use through advertising. And I, I'm coming to the point where I'm not necessarily proud of knowing these things. Yeah.
0: And one of the things that I would hope that many of our listeners would be able to achieve is that. That, that ability to discern, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to see what's being done to you. Because if you, if you can see, you know, the, the, the man behind, behind the curtain, yes. so to speak.
1: There is a man behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and that the emperor really does not have any clothes on. Oh, yes, none. <laughs> uh, then it's much more difficult for you to be manipulated that way. And to have your uh, essentially have your mind, your will controlled by external forces that only really care about getting your money <laughs> and the Dow and your vote, <laughs> think, yeah. And
1: I think the Dow calls people. Uh, I, I think sorry, I'm adjusting my thing. I think that the Dow calls people to find this inert power. Yes, and and, and tries yes. to point them to to this inert power, which I think. Uh, the the stronger you become, the more resistant you are to uh, forces out there that are trying to manipulate you. Yes. Uh, the, the the more that you can see that you you can uh, distinguish the wheat from the chaff of life. Yes. Right. And, and there's the you know the chaff, but there's also w- once you understand uh, and strengthen that then you can fully embrace the good, appreciate it more, and accentuate absolutely. it right? In, yes. in, in your own life. It's not just avoiding the bad, no. it's amplifying the good. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and it's,
0: it's hearing that inner voice that each of us has. Uh, again, wh- wh- who are you, really? And, and, wh- and what, are you, what are you gonna do with this knowing, this getting in touch with who you are? Where are you gonna take that? What are you going to ultimately Create, yeah. you know, e- each human being has within them the capability to be one with the Tao, part of the creative process, mm-hmm. and. To the extent that remember, I talked about we need a, a new renaissance. Yeah. Well, if everybody was in, into finding their own creative essence and expressing that, voila, it would be here. Right. It oh, would yeah. be here.
1: It would just manifest. Yeah. Boom. Yeah.
0: But if you're being uh, manipulated, dominated, uh, controlled, sold products, if if that's what your existence is about, uh, there's no create There's no room. There's no space. You know, for any creativity there. Yeah. There's no place for you to be fully present in the moment. Uh, you're too busy uh, being distracted or being uh, seduced to either spend your money or vote for someone yeah. <laughs> who's then going to take your money and spend it.
1: <laughs> so, you know, the DAO, the DAO calls somebody to be that rebel in a way. And not necessarily a rebel that's here to uh, upturn, society, possibly maybe upturn society, but one that's it's there to, to, to see it for what it is and to have that clarity through building that inner strength yes. and you know ability to see that, um, I'm going to say here we are getting a little late in this show because we've hit on some wonderful things to get to today's chapter of the Dao De Jing. So what we can do is next show we could do a double feature, we could do two chapters, one show <laughs> next week and cue the music on uh, what's this Dao all about. Thank you. For- Part 11, Waking Up.
0: Ah, yes. Yet another interesting chapter. You know, they're all interesting. <laughs> you know, but some of them, I think, have particular relevance to, um, to what we're discussing right now. This is one of the shortest chapters, in fact, of the Tao Te Ching, huh? and has uh, one of the most um, uh, prevalent uh, quotations ever from the Tao Te Ching. Oh, nice. Uh, which is the very first two lines everybody has heard this knowing others is wisdom knowing the self is enlightenment Mm. mastering others requires force mastering the self needs strength he who knows he has enough is rich perseverance is a sign of willpower he who stays where he is endures to die but not to perish is to be eternally present
1: Mm. Mm. (laughs) so to know oneself is enlightenment right and then and and what was the the uh, to know others is wisdom to know oneself is enlightenment because i guess obviously the more you know about yourself the more you will understand the man next to you
0: and what is enlightenment is it some uh, you know special state that only the saints and people like Lao Tzu or the Buddha or perhaps Jesus Christ attain? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what is enlightenment? You know, I, I've done a lot of thinking about this, yeah. <laughs> and I've spoken with many of my teachers about this. Spoke with one of my teachers recently about this, and you know, he said, "You know what enlightenment really is?" He says, "It's just waking up." Mm. It's just waking up
1: isn't that what the Buddha, the Buddha was Absolutely. the guy who, who woke up yeah yeah
0: the man the enlightened one the awakened one is yeah. what the, the Buddha actually means it's a, it's, a, it's a person who just woke up out of our collective dream one day mm-hmm. and and we we've been talking about all the things that keep us uh, in, in, a, in a trance state. smartphones, the television, you know, our our electronic and digital devices have a way of kind of seducing seducing us into kind of a trance state. Uh, The media in general uh, is uh, trying to entrance us to either uh, buy something or vote for someone. (laughs) You know, uh, all things that may have absolutely little or nothing to do with who we are and our own individual creative unfolding. So a person who awakes simultaneously, I think, does two things. One, they see all the shackles. They they instantly see all the ways that they have been attempting to be dominated, domineering, controlled, controlling. <laughs> you
1: or know, ways it, that they've shackled themselves. Right, exactly. Too, yeah. They
0: see it from both sides. Yeah. How they've shackled themselves. How they've allowed themselves to be shackled. How they put themselves in a prison. But now, guess what? They key? found that they had the key in their pocket all along. <laughs>
1: right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and and being, uh, uh, awakening is just understanding that, reaching for the key and opening the cage and walking out. Right, yeah. And then looking around and seeing all these other people, millions of them walking around in their own cage. Yeah. And going, friends, friends, <laughs> here... A, have you noticed that you're in a cage? Right. And B, guess where Guess who has the key? You, you do. You do. Yeah. Wake up. Right. Wake up. Right. And so, all people who awaken, then their mission is to help others uh, do the same thing.
1: It's like the, it's the Bodhisattva. Yes. Was the guy Absolutely. on the uh, trail?
0: Yes, in fact, right behind you is a, a, a picture of Kuan Yin, the bodhisattva of compassion and mercy uh, in uh, Buddhism. As a matter of fact, ah,
1: <laughs> was it Mila? Was it Milarepa that was the hmm? was previously a kind of debaucherous human being <laughs> and then kind of be woke up and then spent uh, the whole life trying to help others? Was yes. it uh, Milarepa? Yes.
0: And so it's nothing special, and yet it's the most special and powerful thing that
1: we could possibly do. Is become enlightened and wake up.
0: It's just to wake up. Because then you can no longer be manipulated. You have no interest in manipulating others. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead, you're in the flow of these ups and downs, these yins and yangs. And your mission is to go with that flow and to assist others in their journey. Of mm. doing the same, right? Because doing so allows each person to rise to their fullness, to become this creative, uniquely contributing individual. And when enough people do that, voila! What happens to the the world as a whole? A renaissance. We're gonna have right? a rising tide of we consciousness. A rising tide of consciousness, and that is so sustaining. Mm. It feels so natural. It feels so wonderful Mm -hmm. because then you don't feel desperate all the time. You know, I I heard a study uh, last week where they asked also thousands of Americans what was their number one regret. And you know what it was? That they worry too much. Mm. The number one regret was that we worry too much. And what does worry accomplish?
1: Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) And, And the reason we worry is because we're attached the things we cannot control exactly you know if if it was something we could control, then we wouldn't worry about it exactly you know what i'm saying it's it's the thing that I worry about oh no. Oh no. My w- my <laughs> wife's going to freak out about something, right? That I can't control. I can't control her. Or I can't control the weather or I, you know, I can't control traffic. Oh, I'm going to come see Dr. Carl. I've got Oh, I hope the f- the 5 freeway. But What can I do? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing
0: except go with the flow. Ex- right? Yeah. And then if it's meant to happen, it will. When it's meant to happen, it will happen. Yeah. The way it's meant to happen, it will. Remember, as we discussed just a bit ago, you don't even know what your next thought is going to be, see? So what's this control that we're obsessing about? Mm-hmm. We don't even know what our next thought is going to be. No. See? So how much control do we really have? Very little. What we, what we do have is patterns, Human beings get stuck into response patterns. We are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And so, what you tended to do yesterday, last week, last year, <laughs> five years ago, 10 years ago, you're going to probably tend to do very similar types of patterns because now it's become a habit. Right. And so, that becomes another part of the prison you know, that we're going I mean, to we have to
1: wake up from.
0: <laughs> because every, what did the Taoists always say? What's the only constant? Change, right? Every second is we're 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 changing. Your brain is literally your neurochemistry is changing. Your physiology is is changing. Your biology. Everything about you every second is in a constant state of flux. But yet we cling to the illusion that we're the same. That Mm. we're this is the same brain, the same Todd, the same Carl. You know that was here yesterday. When actually there are a lot of things different about it. But our memory is clinging to the illusion of sameness. And as we attempt to then recreate that that sameness, we're missing the moment. We're not being here fully present in the now. Again, we're we're missing this constant ongoing flux of change. Mm -hmm. And and to that extent, we, we can't fully contribute what we have. Because we're trying to be back there when the moment is calling is calling for us
1: to be right here now. Be here. <laughs> uh, you know, and I find that uh, personally, uh, you know, as as I get older and you know, grow grow older, there are obviously ways which I've been resistant to change, because sometimes you have your opinions, you have your mindsets, you have. <laughs> the ways that you thought the world worked were that maybe the more you learn the more you realize you were wrong yes. and to sit there and go you know what i'm going to reverse my opinion on that or the other <laughs> And, it, and inside, it's the cognitive dissonance. And the, and you go, why am I attached to that? I should be humble and just go, oh, I was wrong about that. But then, oh, other people, I'm going to admit to others I was wrong. Oh, well, how terrible that would be. Then, then what am I? Because, and it, but it's just because you're not realizing that what are you? You're somebody who changes and has to yes. keep changing yes. and evolving, or else you're going to be one very uh, bitter person who because they have not adapted any of their thoughts and see, and that word you just
0: said is very important which is adapted adaptation Mm -hmm. you you look at life for the last million years what is life in the big picture all about if not being able to adapt and adjust to the needs of your environment that's which the 100% thing.
1: Everything that has survived and continues exactly. is that which has evolved, <laughs> exactly, right? And that that doesn't, <laughs> goodbye. It's extinct. It goes away, yes. Yeah, it,
0: it dies. It's extinct because it cannot adapt to constant change. And so at, at a deep level, we have to know this. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> we but, but we fight against it.
0: <laughs> but we're fighting it all the time. Right. We're fighting ourselves. It's and an
1: ego. It's an, we're fighting the ego and that is the state of being asleep
0: in trance, uh, the opposite of being <laughs> awake and yeah. big. And, and so enlightenment is simply waking up and realizing all of that, realizing this, what we have learned over the last million years of evolution. I mean, it should be so imprinted in our DNA and genes by now. Yeah. Uh, but somehow because of our brain, which is bipolar, Right? Our brains are split into this and that and right and wrong. And we want to be right, right? That's the ego, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Clinging to the illusion of the self as this entity that's always needs to be right, having my way. See, so we, we've seduced ourselves because of, we think we're so clever right. into fighting our, our ultimate nature, which is a, a being who is in touch with the flow, the ebb and flow of this and that, of up and down, of front and back, of in and out, of night and day. There's no way to avoid that, but yet we, we're trying to mm. avoid it by clinging to things
1: as we think they, quote, should be. Not how they are. Rather than how they are. You know, I think the interesting thing, I can't think, and please tell me if I'm wrong, or listeners, comment On the website, tell me if I'm wrong or tweet me at what's this Tao. I think the interesting thing is a true Taoist, no one's ever going to go, well, they're set in their ways. Or, like, I think many people who adapt to most philosophies or religions are, it's all about. Being set in your ways, yes. it's about adapt. You know, being rigid with those words and rigid with those rules, following the rules, and rigid with that understanding. The Tao is almost the. It's antithetical to that because it's yes. saying change, be constantly moving. Yes. don't you know? Don't build your. Don't paint yourself into a corner. Keep moving except the fact that things are evolving. And it's saying all these, these wonderful things, which are actually the opposite of do this, do that, do this.
0: And it's like Lao Tzu says in this chapter, he who knows he has enough is rich, mm-hmm. <laughs> is rich. Because it's, I remember, I think one of our early shows, I said, you know, remember when you were making $5,000 a year, you were fine, yeah, you know. Taoist knows what's buy. enough. Right, Right. and then when you made 10, and when you made 20, and 30, and 50, and 100, whatever, you know, uh, it, but yet, now... If you only made $5,000 a year, you'd be... <laughs> I'd be running like my hair's on fire. I, <laughs> I'd be robbing a liquor store. Right I would be out of balance.
1: I'd be out but yet, of balance. Yet
0: when you were making five or 10000 somehow you managed. I got by. Yeah. You, you managed to get by. Ramen. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so now we've, got, we've gotten to the position where a lot of people, no amount is enough. Right If they have ten million, they want twenty mm-hmm. if they have a hundred million, they want two hundred million oh, yeah. th- th- there's never enough and when you get into this point where there's never enough, you know what that means you're never satisfied right and if right. you're never satisfied, then you you are in a constant state of disequilibrium yeah there's no harmony in you right and if there's no harmony, one of the unfortunate things that we as human beings often attempt to do is to take what's bad or out of balance inside of us and then project it onto the world mm. and to other people. Mm-hmm. And so then we see this disharmony everywhere. And then what do we try to do? Stamp it out. Stamp it out, kill it, get rid of it, control it, manipulate it. And yet it's us. We've done it to ourselves. Right. You know, one of my teachers, one of the Creating most Creating prof- straw dogs. <laughs> one of the most profound things one of my teachers ever said to me is this. He said, have you ever noticed that whenever there's a problem, you're always there? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great? Yeah. Life is an inside job. Life is an inside job. No, we're we're, we're seeing, it's almost like we're living in this massive uh, holographic universe, Mm -hmm. which actually the physicists say we are. We're we're, we're creating these structures, these things that we... That they're out of nothing uh, these illusions and then reacting to them as if they're real yeah <laughs> and then wondering why we're dissatisfied yeah. you know as we cling to these illusionary uh, processes and objects and relationships and states of being and states of ego mm. and we wonder why why it's so dissatisfying yeah. and, and and then we keep doing it we, we figure well if that wasn't, if that didn't satisfy me, what must be the problem? I must have to do it more right. or harder. Right. I'll, 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 I'll just keep striving, and then maybe at some point I'll finally feel okay. Well, sorry, folks. <laughs> there's no, there's no okay corral out there.
1: If that's the way you're going to try to get there.
0: key yeah, the is to wake up. Yeah, it's to wake up and to let go of the struggle. Mm. Life is not about struggling, but yet we have defined it as such. Mm. We've defined it as such, and that's our, that's our dilemma as human beings.